Good morning, afternoon or evening, wherever you are in the world, and welcome to Movie Astrology. My name is Matt Hudson, and joining me as ever is the pod prince, all-round top man, and the statesman to my kingsman. John Burke from BurkeReviews.com. How is it going, Matt? It's going very, very, very well. Busy week. I've had two children's birthdays this week. Uh, oh, that's right. Extremely busy, and today's just been the the part five, and we're still going again tomorrow. So two very spoiled children, but and one <laughs> very tired uh, dad slash stepdad. But I wouldn't change it for the world. But it's nice to be able to sit here on a Saturday night and talk film. I believe you've well. Let's not believe. I know you've had a busy week. Yeah, you know, our uh, the end of the school year is fast approaching, yes. so our seniors' last day was Thursday, so we had to have all the senior grades in, and then we have um, – our school has a tradition where uh, we, we do these morning meetings like once a week where – well, sometimes twice or three times a week depending, but all of our students go into the, our gym and then um, people talk and give news and we celebrate successes, so like sports teams or um, concerts or dancers or whatever because we, mm-hmm. we have a pretty – diverse school of, of interest and things and um but for seniors their last morning meeting all of the teachers stand um around like the out of bounds line of the basketball court yep and all the seniors then walk on the outside of us and say goodbye to each of us and we you know some we don't know so we just say congratulations but the ones that we do know get rather emotional um you know because it's the last time we might see them uh and for my students a lot of them i've had for four years especially this group of seniors that are graduating I think I have uh, 13 of them that I've had for all four years, um, or maybe it might be a couple more. But uh, so saying goodbye while rewarding, because the goal is for them to graduate. Like when I meet them, the hope is I can get them out of here in four years. <laughs> um, <laughs> but at the same time, it is like, you know, I've spent a lot of days uh, of my life with these kids. And now seeing them move on, it is like losing a part of yourself. And this is every year I go through this. But uh, it's like that cliche, the best of times and the worst of times, I guess. Yeah, it is. Um, it's both good and bad. And uh, I compared. I wrote in one of my seniors' yearbooks. Uh, it's um, graduation is both an inciting incident and the climax of a story. You know, it's also it's both a beginning and an end. Uh, and it like I want to see what your story is going to be when you leave here. So you know, give me something to watch. Like that was what I wrote in their yearbook. And um, I never looked at it that way. But I was really to me, I was like, wow. That was pretty good, Birkenfield, for being on the fly. <laughs> but, uh, you know, that's that's what happens. But um, that and then just like we because of all of the rigmarole grading and things like that and trying to uh, fit in some movies this week because, I, you know, I committed to watching a screener and then I had the podcast stuff I had to do. So it was, it was a long week uh, for me as well, sir. And then yesterday was a standardized testing day for the people who aren't graduating. And for teachers, that basically means we stand in a room for like three hours and watch other people do stuff while we are prohibited from doing anything because we have to monitor. And it is, it is torture, uh, in a world where we've basically built where we're never idle because we always have our phone at least, you know? So like, you know, I can't even use my phone. So I'm just standing there like watching and my brain, (laughs) it's a, it's like, it's kind of weird because my brain, that's when I do my best thinking, but it sucks because I can't do anything with those thoughts. I just have them. And I'm like, oh, I have a really good idea for a lesson plan. I wish I could write it down so I don't forget it. And then, you know, inevitably the time ends and I'm like, oh, don't remember anything. So, what that was. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> a te- who'd be a teacher, eh? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> to be fair though it sounds like it does sound like an awful lot of fun apart from the torturous standing around for three hours part i can probably yeah. just about handle well then again 
yeah, I probably would like my phone on me for three. If I'm just standing there for three hours, I would probably quite like my phone so I can pretend to be writing down notes whilst furiously surfing the net. Yeah, I mean something. You know, there's there's mind killing games and things like that that are they're just helpful. But yeah, nope, no go. So, well, we will we are here now to soothe each other's burdens and also give you guys an insight into what happened once upon a time in film. As we as you know, for those who have been here before, but if you don't know, if you're new to the show. John and myself, we dive into a randomly selected year in film uh, and we discuss the top movies and the other notable releases during that year. Movers, shakers, uh, during awards season, who debuted, who came into the world and sadly who left us also. So, with any further from me, John, what year are we talking about this time around? We're going back to the year 2007, um, which is exciting. It's weird that we keep ending up in the times that we were like, fully adults but nonetheless um we're staying in the 2000s for this episode uh i'm excited about looking at 2007 yeah i this might be more fruitful than some of the other ones we've done uh, but 2007 was the international heliophysical year international polar year and the international year of languages which is strange as i don't seem to be able to talk english sometimes john's favorite one of john's favorite albums the best damn thing by avril lavigne was the world's biggest selling album of the year Led Zeppelin came back after 25 years and the word hashtag was officially recognised in the English language, having been used in print for the first time in 2007. And and I know that that all those facts are going to blow your mind. But before we go any further, here are some of the major events from throughout the world in 2007. In history. Adam Air Flight 574 disappears from Jakarta's radar. A week later, it is founded that the aircraft has crashed into the Maksasar Strait killing all 102 people on board. Off to a pleasant start. Uh, Congress elects Nancy Pelosi as the first female Speaker of the House in US history. On May 3rd, Madeleine McCain disappeared from Portugal while she was sleeping. Uh, Sheikh Mohammed bin Rashid Al Maktoum, I think I got that, of Dubai makes the largest single charitable donation in modern history, committing $7.4 billion to an educational foundation in the Middle East. Wow. NASA's Messenger spacecraft makes its second flyby of Venus en route to Mercury. Oh, here's a big one. The iPhone, the world's f- the first modern smartphone, is released in the US on June 29th, later released in the UK, France, Germany, Portugal, and the Republic of Ireland and Austria later in 2007. Live Earth concerts are held in nine major cities around the world to raise environmental awareness. Uh, TAM Airlines Flight 3054 overruns the runway of Sao Paulo, Conganas Airport and crashes, oh, killing all 187 and 12 others on the ground. At the age of 81 years, 244 days, Queen Elizabeth II become, became the oldest ever reigning British monarch, surpassing Queen Victoria, who was aged 81 years, 243 days. God bless you, Mom. Um, former Pakistani Prime Minister Benazir Bhutto is assassinated, along with 20 other people, at an election rally in Rawalpindi. Oh boy, uh, Mauritania is the last country to criminalize slavery, officially abolished in 1981, making the practice illegal everywhere in the world. And musicians Alice Coltrane, Mark Turner, wrestlers Bam Bam Bigelow and Chris Benoit, uh, ex-Russian President Boris Yeltsin, former First Lady Lady Bird Johnson, and rally car champion Colin McRae all pass away this year. I hope the films are slightly more optimistic and positive than that rundown was not all of them but <laughs> yeah 
I think that, I mean, the, the news events have nothing to do with this, but this is a post 9-11 world. So um, six years after 9-11, I think some of the movies are going to take that t- uh, tone to heart. And so we'll see that kind of some of the movies are a little dour and, and sad. So, yeah, some of them are. But you're all speaking of something to uplift everybody's spirit and make us all feel uh, connected in one way. The iPhone started came out in 2007. And where would we be without our smartphones? Gone oh, the man. days when we'd go and speak to our friends and peers face to face. The social the social boom really started as well around that time as well. Social media boom, I think. So uh, thanks for Steve Jobs for that. But can you imagine a world without smartphones now? I mean, you just mentioned three hours standing yeah. in the room. In 1997, that was a completely different thing. Yeah. I mean, it's crazy to think it's been 12 years. Um, I, I don't think I got my first smartphone until probably like 2011, uh, maybe 2012. But, um, you know, I can't imagine now not having one. So crazy. Yeah, it's one of those things which I can't, I can't imagine the world pre-smartphone I, I can't even remember it but it seems like a long way away now so that's uh, some of the major events and let's move on to something hopefully more positive movie time uh, before we find out whether 2007 was actually a brilliant year in general uh, let's kick off with this Top 10 We're going to look at the top 10 movies from 2007 based on the worldwide gross uh, at the box office so Matt what was number 10? Let's go number 10. We start off then with 300, which had a worldwide gross of 456 million bucks. Then number nine, National Treasure, Book of Secrets at 457, uh, 364 million. Close. Number eight, The Simpsons movie. Uh, very impressive. 572 million bucks. I Am Legend, uh, 585 million. And number six was Ratatouille. million dollars can't go wrong with pixar uh number five transformers uh shows up and comes out swinging 709 million dollars worldwide and making up from 10 to 4 is shrek the third which had another amazing total of almost 800 million 798.9 million dollars uh before we get on to the top three Let's sort of go back and talk about that that top 10 to 4 in a little bit of detail. There's a big old gap there from t- from 300 down to Shrek. Yeah. I think uh, the biggest movie on that group of six films is Transformers, right? Because it's going to set yeah. up a massive franchise that's going to make way more money uh, down the road. Um, it, it, you know, arguably one of the worst film franchises in the last <laughs> 10 years. But nonetheless... You know, Michael Bay shows up and makes uh, Transformers relevant again. The merchandising—I I don't know the numbers for the the toys, but you know it's high. Like yeah, yeah. On, on top of that box office, man. And I—I'll admit, when I saw this in theaters, I had not been a Transformers fan growing up. I couldn't afford the toys as a kid, so I liked the first one, the first time I saw it. And I—I I bought some uh, collectible. I still have some hanging up on my wall behind me here. I mean, that, that 700 million now looks quite tame compared to what some of the other films in a franchise went on to do. But I was a fan of Transformers as a kid. I I loved the Transformers movie, the animated one. Um, it, it haunted me for a while as a youngster, but Optimus Prime is my hero. So I haven't so actually getting to see a, a cinematic Transformers. I mean, how old would I have been then? Uh, 22, 3, 4, I don't even know how old I am, but one of those three. 
So I was old enough to appreciate, hopefully. But before, I mean, we everybody remembers the famous shot of Megan Fox somehow doing some some work yeah, underneath yeah. the carver bonnet. I mean, again, that seems tame compared to what Michael Bay did to women in every other film. For but sure, this, but this first film was quite good, actually. I've I got no 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 shame in saying it. the first Transformers it it set the tone for the franchise, and that it's kind of just excuse the terminology, but sort of big damn fun. Yeah, but it did it. There was a slight earnestness to it. I thought Shia LaBeouf was decent in it, and to me, they got progressively worse as you know Michael Bay just seemed to lose the plot. But I didn't mind this first Transformers movie. And another good film, another big old film on that list is a film I'm not sure many people thought would ever be made just because of how long it took. But the Simpsons movie, obviously, a huge yeah. institution over there. I'll tell you what, man. I was a huge Simpsons fan um, for a long time. Like I used to rewatch the reruns all the time. Like they would be on, like from six to like eight o'clock. They'd have four episodes, and I'd watch all four. (laughs) And when the movie came out, I wiped my hands of it. I watched it, and I'm like, okay, I'm done with the Simpsons. I've seen everything I need to ever see, and I've never really gone back to the Simpsons after that movie. Um, Was it because of the film? I didn't love the film. Um, I'm actually a little surprised to see its RT is at 88%. It's not a bad movie, but I, I didn't love it. Um, I felt it was lacking something that the cartoons always had. Um, I didn't feel the need to see Bart Simpson's penis. I thought that was a bit much. I uh, forgot about that part. Yeah, I didn't, and I never will. <laughs> uh, and even though they, they try to make it where it doesn't have to be, but it totally is. Like, there's no way to deny what we were thrown in there. It didn't feel like something The Simpsons would do. I know The Simpsons were always censored to a degree because of the local or the basic cable but mm-hmm. still like I, I didn't feel like it was needed especially because he's a 10 year old boy like you don't need to show it like yeah that's that's true actually that's yeah weird. so that's very weird um but i don't like overall i wasn't thrilled with the film and i i've never really watched another episode of the simpsons even reruns I'm, i've been done with it um pretty much since the film and I, it still baffles my brain that it's still being made. I feel like it, it ended when the movie – I, I feel like the movie was a good cap to a really amazing run of a series. And from what I've heard, the seasons have progressively gotten worse, yet they just keep pumping them out. Um, but, yeah, you know, that that was that for me. Um, of the animated movies, I much prefer Ratatouille to The Simpsons. Well, I thought that – I'd heard that The Simpsons movie was supposed to be the swan song. It was meant to end – with that, and I get, it would have been right, but I've mm-hmm. I think I've only seen it once as well. And looking at just looking at the ratings, eighty-eight percent RT, eighty on Metacritic, uh, seven point three on IMD. Take it for what it's worth. But I didn't I don't remember the film getting such praise. But in retrospect, yeah. looking back, it apparently it was a huge you know uh, uh, hit with critics and fans. I thought it was all right. It's it's always a struggle to adapt anything yeah. which is a, what twenty minutes long, half an hour to. A feature length, which is why I think Seth MacFarlane's been fairly reticent about doing a Family Guy film. I know he said he's, he's always said he's going to do it, but still hasn't done it. And I, I think it's too late to do that. And yeah, I and mean, we're getting a Bob's Burgers film in a few years' time. Really, the only animated like TV series. Well, I guess there's probably more than just one, but the the best animated movie from a TV series is South Park: Bigger, Longer, Uncut. Like yeah. that movie is masterful, but they have proven to be able to do films like and obviously musicals apparently um so i don't know if that's fair like trey and matt are a rare breed of of talent um who are also crazy but like Hmm. they they can they they have a innate sense of like writing and i don't know how many writers are actually credited i know the two guys started it but i'm sure they have a crew now 
but it's still like they're the creative force behind South Park and all of their, you know, I don't love all their movies, but like they all have some something to offer. But uh, yeah, I don't know, man. I'm not. I like Bob's Burgers, but I don't know if I want a movie, you know? No, I'm not going to be rushing out to see a Bob's Burgers film on opening night. But yeah, The Simpsons movie, it I thought it was great, but I am one of those cliches who thought, you know, the first half, what they want, no, no, 25 seasons now, something like that. I thought the first half of that, was the first 50% of the seasons were, well, they were great. There were some such good moments in that, but it has progressively tailed off. And I, I do end up watching some on Sky TV when they're on, and... It seems to be kind of one in four, maybe. is quite decent, but Ratatouille, that was good. I think uh, The Simpsons might be up to 30, because if I'm not mistaken, they started in 88. Yeah, they did. it. They had the 30th anniversary recently, I think, actually, yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, I don't know if they skipped the season or something, but, um, but yeah, Ratatouille, uh, actually, I think it was the first film I took my daughter to the theater to see, because we, were, we went out of town with my wife, because she had to work at another store, and um, I had to kill like eight hours, so we went and I was like, why don't we try a movie? She wasn't – this movie scared her a couple of times because like there's the shotgun scene early in the mm-hmm. film, and that freaked her out. And uh, she ended up falling asleep like on my lap like watching the movie. It's one of my favorite little memories of my kid. Uh, she's she's such a great person, um, but I, that, that was one of – because movies are our thing. We've always gone to movies together. And I think that was the first one uh, that we went to, like, a normal theater. It wasn't like – we had, we used to have a dollar theater that, you know, like, all the movies were, like, yeah, a yeah. buck. And you'd get them right before they come out on DVD. Or sometimes, like, as they were coming out on DVD, you could go to the dollar theater. And we used to go there because there's no real concern of her, like, if she gets upset. Other kids were at that theater, too, you know. Like, we saw cars and over the hedge like that. But this was, like, a normal, you know, early release. But it was, like, a Tuesday at, like – I don't know, probably like twelve thirty one, so it was pretty empty in the theater. But she still, she didn't cry, and then she just slept. But I like the specifics of twelve thirty one as well as the time. Oh, I meant like twelve thirty comma one, somewhere oh, okay. in that ballpark. <laughs> but yes, twelve thirty one uh, on the dot. I have the ticket framed, and in, oh. no, um, I should have. Uh, I, I do keep my tickets, but not framing of them. Um, but uh, you know, I don't. I think the only movie on this list I haven't seen. Um, or at least I don't think I've I ended up watching all of it. It was the Book of Secrets National Treasure movie. Yeah, I'm I, I'm the same. I wasn't. I was again. It's thirty five percent of RT kind of vindicated potentially mm-hmm. what I think. I don't always go by the mass, but I sort of I I, I don't. National from what I know about the Book of Secrets, it kind of just does its best to recreate the first film, which doesn't sound interesting mm-hmm. to me because what's the point of a sequel? I mean, I've seen the rest of yeah. the films. Three hundred was, three hundred was pretty good. I quite enjoyed that. Gerard yeah. Butler just screaming at people. Um, Elena Hedy and yet another kind of throwback medieval type show. I am Legend. I am. I thought that was pretty good, if I remember rightly. I am Legend. I know it gets a bit of flack um, in more recent years that I've seen, but I didn't mind. I am Legend. Everybody remembers the dog scene, but I thought yeah. it, the the, the, yeah, the dog scene. But I didn't mind. I am Legend of Francis Lawrence film. Did you were you a fan of it? I I have not seen it from beginning to end in one sitting. I've seen it fragmented (laughs) and um I avoided it for a while because I I heard about the dog scene early and I don't like those types of scenes. Mm -hmm. I understand why they're there, but they are always gonna break me and I don't like uh, this was the time when I was avoiding movies that would make me sad. Um so uh I, I avoided it. Um I wasn't really interested in it. I did see it and I saw parts of it and I jumped around. I don't think I've ever sat from beginning to end. So I'm not like 
I'm not against it. I'm not a fan of it either. I'm just kind of like, eh, whatever. Yeah. No desire to sit through it at this point. <laughs> yeah, Will Smith's alright in it, but I'm not... To be honest, I mean, we haven't mentioned Shrek the Third. Some people probably thank us for that. But there's not... I it's don't think there's any the film w- in that 10 to 4 that I would necessarily rush to rewatch. I enjoyed Ratatouille probably the most out of all of them. That would be the one I would rewatch. Yeah. Um, and I'm not rushing to rewatch it. I have seen it more than once, though. But um, I have also seen Shrek the Third more than once because my daughter liked Shrek as a kid. <laughs> so we we owned all of them. This is the worst of the Shrek movies mm-hmm. um, by far. Uh, and it is mainly because they cram the stupid King Arthur story into it. It's like, look, public domain. Lock that one up and throw it in the ocean, please. We've had plenty of versions of the King Arthur story <laughs> at this point. We do not need – and I like the King Arthur story. We just don't need another like iteration. <laughs> Yeah, we don't need another retelling. We don't need another, uh, you know, like a, adjusted or, you know, some n- nonsense Arthurian lore like in Hellboy this year. Like we don't like and I, the kid who will be king loved it. It worked, but still didn't need it to be King Arthur. It just works because it's King Arthur. But, it, it you know, we didn't need it. I enjoy the movie. But then let's look back at, you know, Guy Ritchie's and we just keep seeing maybe maybe it's time that Robin Hood and, and King Arthur you know chill for a while because might be yeah like let it let it be forgotten for a little bit um so yeah shrek the third disappointing uh luckily they don't cram um arthur into uh shrek forever after if i remember i think he's in it but it's like barely yeah shrek the third more like um yeah i can do a churlish joke (laughs) but you know i'm not gonna rush out to see if you if you put a gun to my head and i really hope you didn't and asked me to watch one of the one of these uh, ten to four films tonight. Uh, I'm either going to pick three hundred or I Am Legend, and I can't separate them just because three hundred gives me that bonkers action. I Am Legend is a kind of weird sort of, ho- sort of faux horror. I'm not that inclined to ever watch Shrek the Third again, or or actually watch Book of Secrets. The Simpsons movie was fine, but I don't really want to. I'm not hooked to it. Transformers, I've been, I literally have, have been sullied. Bumblebee. Brought everything back for me because Bumblebee was fantastic, but yeah. just Transformers now just there's something about like a dirty aura to which I'm not even going to rush ever really rush out to see Transformers again. So in terms of ten and ten to four, there's a couple of films in there which aren't certainly aren't going to make mine or John's top one hundred lists. That is for sure. So, uh, but should we get to the business end now? Yeah, let's get to number three. Um, you, it's funny because you were just talking about how bad some of those movies are, and this one takes the cake. <laughs> uh, Spider-Man Three, um, directed by Sam Raimi, uh, who has a new B movie coming out. I don't know if you saw the trailer for Crawl. Yeah. Um, I was shocked to see Raimi's name attached to it. Uh, Tobey Maguire, Kirsten Dunst, James Franco, Thomas Hayden Church, Topher Grace, Bryce Dallas Howard, barely James Cromwell, Rosemary Harris, and J.K. Simmons in the role he was born to play. <laughs> um. 890 million worldwide, 63% Rotten Tomato, which is way higher than I would have thought. 6.2 IMDb and 59 Metacritic. I I feel like some of those critics on the RT would change their score now. I think that was a little bit coming off of uh, what many people argue is the best superhero movie to date is Spider-Man 2. Mm-hmm, I um, I think I I don't, but every, you know, I people like that freaking movie for some reason. Um I don't dislike it, but I, I think I've become the contrarian for Spider-Man 2 at this point. And it's like, no, Tobey Maguire sucks. 
All of you are wrong. Take that back. He sucks. No, he's awful. <laughs> uh, Tom Holland is Spider-Man. There was never anybody else. Uh, and <laughs> Poor Andrew um, Garfield. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure he wants to forget that he was Spider-Man <laughs> at this point. Um, but, uh, man, Spider-Man 3. All, first, first, Into the Spider-Verse mocked Spider-Man 3, and it made me love that movie in the first <laughs> five minutes. Because I'm like, oh, they acknowledge and they mocked it, just like you know when when uh, Ryan Reynolds mocked himself as Deadpool in Deadpool. So <laughs> Green uh, Green Lantern as well in this. In these yes, both Green um, Spider-Man Three, uh, the dancing sequence where he's emo Spider-Man. I mean, everything about this movie should have been amazing. We were bringing in the Venom suit. We were bringing in Venom. We were bringing like you know this conclusion to this trilogy that at the time I was a really big fan of, and I remember just watching it and like progressively going this this isn't good what's <laughs> happening and it's got the villain bloat which we now yeah. reference this film as that like kind of the the introduction to having too many bad guys hellboy this year again um suffers from that same spider-man three syndrome yeah yeah and uh i've rewatched this a couple of times because i just was like it, it can't be complete trash but it's complete trash <laughs> uh, it doesn't help topher grace as venom was a horrible job casting um and like the way they make him look is bad and uh it, it's uh it's so bad and then bryce dallas howard is like a force in gwen stacy is like we already have enough going on in this movie that we don't need to add new characters like there's so much happening and i'm sandman is a boring villain to me even in the comics i've never been a big fan of that character um and thomas hayden church is like wooden with this performance too so it I think 63 is too high for RT, but uh, what are you as harsh on this film as I am, or have I just really become bitter towards the Raimi Spider-Man? I think it's clear that you don't like this film. <laughs> That's come across. Um, yeah, no, I, I'm not. I'm not up on this film. I had it had it hit the landing, then I think the Spider-Man original trilogy would have been the best superhero trilogy we've had, but. Uh, and that includes Nolan's Batman, because I think, again, The Dark Knight Rises didn't stick that landing. No, it did not, yeah. But the, the third film in the uh, trilogies are not doing hardest, so well. But this, like, you've hit the nail on the head. This had everything set up for it. The first two films were great, successful, and they led to this. But it, everything you've just said is true. The villain overload. And it's not just that, but every villain suddenly needs to have a bloody backstory, which, in a film with already there's so much going on just bloats it even more add to that that it takes about an hour hour and a bit to actually really get going as well before the symbiote symbiote um d- does any work and spider-man actually really gets to do anything um mm-hmm. yeah the, the classic scene emo peter i, I rewatch it on youtube annually it is uh it's entertaining in hindsight it's one of those kind of classic moments now in film that it is so mocked that in that is now entertaining to watch, but I thought yeah. I liked Tobey Maguire as Spider Man. He's far too old to play Peter Parker as like a school kid, but I liked Tobey Maguire, and he does what I thought he did quite well with the kind of mental descent scenes. And there's a scene in the film which plays out on a bridge between MJ and Peter, which for me I thought was surprisingly pretty emotional. Um, I thought Tobey Maguire tapped into something pretty decent there, and his performance was good in that scene as well. So the bridge scene was surprisingly devastating. Um, we, but then we also get things like James Franco saying, how to the pie, which oh, God. just kind of sums up the dialogue in this film. Thomas Hayden Church is a good actor, but yeah, no, no, Normally. nobody's saving 
Sandman, and and even you know, actually, even with these villains, the final, the finale is, wasn't that great. We had this stupid reporter who uh, I'm sad to say was a British reporter. Just kind of kept coming back to, which is utter rubbish. But it's it's one of those films where it's part of the reason why I look back at this with any kind of scorn. It's because of what it could have been. This could have this because I really like Spider Man and I really really like Spider Man too. And when you mentioned it being the best of the comic book films, I don't think it's the best comic book film, but I think it's thing is up there for me. Um, and just coming off of that and having this, which could have been, which just could have been that excellent bookend to a great trilogy, it's just that kind of uh, moment. But yeah, I'm I'm not quite as um, venomous, if you will, against Spider Man three. I'm not sure if you ask me now what I'd give it out of 10. Uh, I don't think it'd be as high as 6.3 out of 10, but it wouldn't be, oh, I don't know, 5 out of 10 maybe? Kind of average. Some of it, there are some good moments, but there are, it is overshadowed more by just utter dross. But I mean, it had a budget of over 258 million bucks, which uh, is quite a lot then. It's quite a lot now, let alone then. And it, but it made it made bank though, eight hundred ninety million. Not to be yeah. sniffed at. So people went to see this film on the premise well, of yeah. getting that final uh, well, big film of the trilogy. Plus the idea I mean, of seeing Venom as well. Sure, Venom's a beloved villain, and um, they do so much wrong with it. And to be honest, what's really baffling is you have the the story is built into the suit like mm-hmm. Sp- peter gets the suit he has to learn to deal with the fact that the suit yes it makes him more powerful but it also alters who he is he has to then fight the suit then you know he has to have destroyed eddie brock's career which they they cram that in there but they cram it in there with the sandman story and with the revenge story from james franco's character you know uh, harry osborne like there's so much trying to be – I don't know what they were thinking. Like there's no way that feels like a two-hour movie. Like that that's so much. And if you wanted to do – like if you really wanted to focus on the Franco story, which they did set up for three films, then get rid of Sandman. You have the Franco story and then you have Venom. That's the story. That's it. Yeah. I think Raimi I literally know. just – I think he just went for it basically in yeah. an attempt to kind of make the perfect – Sequel, uh, trilogy uh, finale. I think he just basically thought, let's throw everything at the fans because mis- he. I, I'm thinking maybe he just misjudged it and thought the fans are going to lap up anything I throw at them now with this franchise. He have Venom, well, have Sandman, have so the weird. new Goblin, what his name was. Because you have like the first movie is Green Goblin. That's it. Yeah. Second movie is Doc Ock, and then you start to hint at Harry Osborn becoming a villain. Okay, great. You see an arc, and then. It's like, and honestly, it's Dark Knight Rises is the same problem, except Heath Ledger died. Yeah. And that altered the script that Nolan wanted to do for the third movie. So the arc gets chopped because it had to. Here, it's like, what happened that you were like, you know what? I'm done making movies, so I better cram everything I ever considered exactly. in. Like, um, it, it's really baffling. And it, it does, especially when you look at Raimi's follow up film from this, I believe, is the uh, Oz Great and Powerful. Um, I think, I think that's his right, next yeah. film. I might be off. There might be one in between it, but like, you're like, Oh, he's lost it. Like he's really, and I'm a huge evil dead fan. Like I will support all like evil dead, evil dead two and army of darkness. And those movies are not good at continuity. Like he rewrites the story from the previous film in the opening prologue for each of the other two sequels, but I still love them. I don't know what happened with Spider-Man three, but he, he is just like, 
I don't know, maybe he got some bad drugs. I don't know what the deal is. <laughs> I just think he just thought, sod it. Let's just go for it. In my head, I think Dragon Me to Hell was his next film. But Okay, I couldn't remember I if that was can't before remember, or after. But then we'll find that out and we'll ratify that before the end of the show. I think it is Dragon Me to Hell. But, um, I will confirm. Yeah, especially with, and about the villains, when you consider how great Alfred Molina was as Doc Ock, to have three yes. villains in this film with basically James Franco just having an absolute laugh. Having a blast playing this ridiculous character, he, he, I'm not sure he took himself seriously. Topher Grace, it's taken him best part of 12 years to redeem his. Everybody remembers Topher Grace when when he came out of that oh. um, when he came out of that supercut of all the Star Wars films recently. People were like, damn, that's Topher yeah. Grace. He's the guy who played Venom, and Topher Grace is now in everyone's good books, all the geeks, because he released that supercut. Um, and then Sandman was just like you say, boring. It's naff. Considering mm-hmm. how good, I mean, the fact that they got uh, Willem Dafoe in his Green Goblin was great. Doc yeah, Hunt was oh great, man. and then you got these three, which are just so badly done. And the best villain of them all, if you will want to say that, is J.K. Simmons. Uh, he was the best one yeah. of a lot, and I and I used that obviously flippantly, but J.K. Simmons was born for that role of J. Jonah Jameson. For sure, uh, you are right. By the way, Drag Me to Hell is two thousand nine. Oz Great and Powerful twenty thirteen. Um, and he hasn't done a film since then. He's done TV and sh- uh, short, but I-, I heard his name attached to. S- oh, he's not credited for directing that that movie that I just mentioned. That I can't remember. Crawl. Yep. So I guess he's producing. Um, they just threw his name on it. Like that's a good sign. Uh, yeah. He had he had something to do with um, Don't Breathe as well. But again, that was Fede Alvarez's film. So I don't like yes. it when, when you know a film says produced by so-and-so, who clearly has nothing to do with the film, then you can probably hang your hat on it not being all that good. I think that was, yeah, as far as I can see, that was the last film he did, which is uh, which is a kind of a shame, because he has got some decent films behind him. He does. Um, but he also, you know, I do think there's definitely something crazy going on in my eyes, like, with how his films are so varied in quality. Like, um... You know, like, I mean, I would like to think of him as an auteur because he does have a distinctive style that comes through his films. But, man, he's just, like... Erratic. So erratic. Um, so, yeah, I, we, need, we need to move on. Yeah. Let's let's go to the next I movie. can feel John's, the symbiote inside John, receiving yeah. at that. Number two is something a little bit more... Actually, no, it's not, but i say something a bit more lighter, but by this point in the saga, it isn't. It's Harry Potter and the Order no. of the Phoenix. Uh, distributed by Warner Brothers and directed by David Yates, longtime Potter Helmer. And it stars woo, Daniel Radcliffe, Rupert Grint, <laughs> Emma Watson, Helena Bonham Carter, Robbie Coltrane, Warwick Davis, Ralph Fiennes, uh, Ray Fiennes, uh, Michael Gambon, Brendan Gleeson, Richard Griffiths, Jason Isaac, Gary Oldman, Alan Rickman, Fiona Shaw, <gasps> Maggie Smith, Imelda Staunton, David Fulis, Emma Thompson, Dame Emma Thompson, and Julie Waters. What a fabulous British cast. It's grossed $939 million worldwide. Had a Rotten Tomatoes score of 77%, IMDb 7.5, and Metacritic 71. So it seems like the critics were fairly um, in agreement with this film. The fourth film in the saga, I believe. It, fifth. The fifth film, that's right, did The Goblet of Fire before that. The Wizarding World is under attack from He Who Shall Not Be Named, Voldemort, despite him being named quite a lot. Um, and uh, despite the best efforts of them t- of the wizarding world to cover up the fact that he has returned 
Uh, but Harry's back at Hogwarts, but now he's got to face Dolores Umbridge, which is Imelda Staunton, and the new defence against the Dark Arts teacher. And she's more badass than Voldemort. I think she terrorised the kids more than Voldemort because he couldn't even take over a high school. Um, Imelda Staunton did that. Um, Order of the Phoenix. Before that, he had uh, Alfonso Cuarón's excellent, I thought it was excellent, Prisoner of Azkaban. But this was a, yep, this was a solid follow-up. It's my favourite as well. And it continued that trend of the Potter films slowly sort of getting darker and more mature with each release. I didn't mind this film. I thought it, again, it it set up a lot of what to come. The Goblet of Fire uh, was exciting because you had that Goblet tournament. Um, this was kind of establishing who, this was establishing size now and the stakes a bit more. And it was, it was pretty good. I liked it. Harry's got to face more challenges this time and Daniel Rad- Radcliffe is just fine. All the youngsters are fine again. Uh, they and they do get better with each film, I think. They do, and we got a great ending, which kind of which had a jewel, which all of the Potterheads wanted to see. And again, I've got to say, I've said it on one of the podcast episodes I did way back when. What a it what a testament, and I'm going to blow the trumpet. What a testament to this very small island of which I live in and reside on and call home to be able to the Potter films celebrated the best uh, uh, of the British talent because J.K. Rowling, Rowling. Only would only have British actors in, which is fine because it's a British, it's her books and it's all set in and around Britain, so fine. But goddamn, what a list of talent just on that cast list! And obviously, in hindsight, oh. people like Daniel Radcliffe and Emma Watson have now gone on to do other things and have started to establish themselves slightly more. But Helena Bonham Carter, oh. Ray Fiennes, Brendan Gleeson, Richard Griffiths, Gary Oldman, Sir Alan Rickman, God bless his soul. Maggie Smith, yep. Imelda Stone, David Thewlis and his moustache in Wonder Woman, Dame Emma Thompson, Julie Waterman. That's not even going into any of the other actors in the other films. So it makes me yeah. extremely proud to see that level of talent, not to say from... that I'll ever have it, but from this small island. But in terms of The Order of the Phoenix, I thought it was okay. It's not one of my favourite Potter films, especially coming off oh. Azkaban. I thought it was okay. Not bad. I would probably, I'd probably well, jump on the, uh, probably jump on the Metacritic score if I was going to convert that to make sort of seven out of ten, maybe. So, this uh, sets the bar for David Yates, who then becomes the yeah. Harry Potter Wizarding World director. He's made the Since, last four yeah. Harry Potter movies, starting with this one, and then he's done all of the Fantastic Beast movies, and apparently all of the Fantastic Beast movies. He's on the docket for each of the sequels that are still coming out. Yeah, apparently coming. Um. Out. So apparently coming out um unfortunately because so far not been a fan of the fantastic beast films um jk rowling needs to let someone else do the screenplays no offense um but jk lucas yeah yeah yes it's like you made a great world lucas did it too he had to give it away you should give it away (laughs) but um for a lot of money mind you he gave it away for like what four billion dollars or something so uh she could she could do that or keep it and just let someone else write it but um I I like this movie. This was the first Harry Potter film I saw in the mm-hmm. theater because I was resistant to Harry Potter for a long time. I think I had just read the books when this movie came out and I just watched all the other movies um, and was like, finally a Harry Potter fan. So this one was like, I'm like, I'm going to go see it in the theater. And uh, I did. I like this one. Um, this one, this is the, the film that technically the end of Goblet of Fire is when the films become adult oriented, when things start to get real. And it's no longer just fun and games. And this one has that tone um, throughout. Like, it's a very dark tone. 
Azkaban has dark undertones, but they're still the the marvel of the world. Um, but the, obviously the Dementors are terrifying, but like the world itself still feels hopeful. And uh, at the end of Goblet of Fire, that tone shifts dramatically. And this movie is embedded in that dark place. Everything about it is mm-hmm. darker. Um, and I, I like it. Uh, I, I like all eight movies, to be fair. Um, the only one I can't get into, like, on the same level as Chamber of Secrets. I just – something about that one just does not click for me. I blame Chris Columbus. But um, – I know you've mentioned that before about Chris Columbus. He's yeah, on the journey. I, I, I like to take the jabs. He is. He is very – honestly, so is Yates. Um, I feel like Yates is working heavily off of what Karan did in, in Azkaban with the tone in this film. Um, not as executed, uh, you know, as well. But um, I do like – I like his – I like his four Harry Potter films. Um, I don't so far really love the Fantastic Beasts, but again, I don't blame him for that. I think that's Rawlings' insistence on being uh, in control. And I want to comment on your your comment on all the the European actors from an American cinephile perspective. Uh, to me, it seems that for a British actor to have made it, they either have to have been in a Doctor Who episode <laughs> or Harry Potter movie or both, which many of them are. <laughs> uh, like. And that when I haven't watched all of the Doctor Who, but I, I watched all of the uh, the Chris Eccleston season, yep. and then I've watched a bunch of Matt Matt Smith is no Matt Smith is the third, well third in that line. Um, David, David Tennant, that's right, yeah. Um, I watched many of his. I've watched some of Matt Smith's. I've not watched any of the last two Doctors. I think there's been two since Matt Smith. Maybe there's three now. Um, but uh, Simon Pegg shows up in one of the Eccleston episodes, I think, and I was just like, oh. And then as I was recognizing more and more actors, I'm like, oh, okay, I get it. You have to, you have to do Doctor <laughs> Who. It's like you're working your way up. You got to make a cameo at least in a Doctor Who episode uh, to to show that you're legit. So <laughs> you're right. There's a there's a um, a long going an ongoing TV show over here called The Bill, which is a, basically just about it's, um, it's like a soap based around the police. It's been going on since like the 80s, oh, okay. and every single British actor every single person has made some sort of cameo appearance they might have been in the background or was one was it like a prisoner being detained but every single person has either been yeah in the bill in doctor who or now seemingly in harry potter uh, movies but again it's just just the utter talent that they got on board for these films is mind-blowing and of course before that we had um um richard griffiths as well was it Richard? Not Richard Griffiths. Uh, who's the guy who played Dumbledore before Michael Gambon? Oh, I always forget that dude's uh, name. I feel awful. Kind of, the Hellraiser behind. Uh, the, oh, it's going to come. It will come to me in a minute. But um, so yeah, it's just an amazing lineup of actors, and that's one thing that J.K. Rowling did get right was the ability. And obviously, Warner Brothers had some clout behind that, but yeah, been able to get those kind of that level of of talent into these films was. Um, incredible. Richard Harris, by the way, was the guy I was thinking of, and I think I prefer Richard Harris's uh, more somber Dumbledore. But I, yeah, I guess when I mentioned about where I see the Order of the Phoenix in the rankings, it's because there's uh, the, there's no bad film. I don't think in the eight in the eight films, the Philosopher's Stone or the um, uh, what's it Sorcerer's called? Stone Sorcerer's here. Stone in the United States. Philosopher's Stone here. Sorcerer's Stone there. Um, that's okay. That's quite. That's charming. That's a real sort of festive, Christmassy feeling, and I can overlook the fact that the kids' performances are horrendous. It's, they're they're struggling. Yeah, yeah it's the Chamber of Secrets is again. That's a kind of 
that is kind of that. That's kind of a step from from getting to the Sorcerer's slash Philosopher's Stone to the Prisoner of Azkaban. The Chamber of Secrets was kind of that kind of filler that they needed to f- bridge that gap. And once you get past that, though, all of the films are great. So when I went back to rank the films, I found it quite tough because there's none in there that are actually legitimately, you know, not very good. So the Order of the Phoenix just fell down the list for me based on how I thought about the other films and also just the impact they had on me. The Order of the Phoenix was a fine film. It's great. But I thought the other film, there are some certain other films had more for them. Like the Goblet of Fire had so much good throughout it, like the tournament and the ball and the characters maturing and and all kind of like, it got a bit Mills and Boone at times. But um, And then of course the... The the Half Blood Prince I thought was had some very good moments. Deathly Hallows Part One and Two. The Deathly Hallows Part One catches a lot of flack, but I think it's a really really good setup. It's, I know it's a lot slower. It's a lot more yeah. contemplative, but it sets the characters up for where they need to be for that big payoff in uh, Deathly Hallows Part Two. And it's also got that incredible animation scene with it with the uh, the poem that they read, which is superb. But now yeah, the Order of the Phoenix is a it's a solid Potter film. It's not my favourite one, but in a saga of eight films in which I don't actually dislike any of them, that I'm gonna I'm gonna call that a positive, and it nearly made a billion bucks. So the yep. Potter heads out, they loved it too. And of the three big actors, uh, the three main actors, you know, Radcliffe, uh, Grant, and Watson. Personally, I think Watson's had a bigger career outside of the Harry Potter movies, but I I love Radcliffe's choices. He's I made like some crazy more, yeah. movies. Um, I mean, because like, like Watson seems to be doing a lot of the like the safe picks, even though they haven't been successful. They're like more like mainstream blockbusters. Radcliffe's gone very indie. I mean, you look at Horns, where he plays a character that becomes like a demon slash devil. Um, <laughs> Imperium, yeah. where where he's an FBI agent goes undercover with the Nazi group. Jungle. Um, I, I haven't seen Jungle, but I love Swiss Army Man, where he plays a corpse. That like was incredible. <laughs> that was so bizarre, but I loved every second of it. Yeah, like I mean, he's made some really interesting choices, and I because he's set for life. He doesn't have to act, you know. The dude may is going to make so much money on the franchise from Harry Potter as long as the they, the parks are a thing. He's getting likeness rights, I'm sure. I don't know what his contract was, but I know he's making money. Um, and so I like that he's doing like the risky choices, these weird movies, and even he did a play where he was naked on stage. I think in England, if I'm not mistaken, uh, Equus or Equus, yeah, yeah, something with a horse, right? Like it was yeah, yeah. Uh, your favorite things, yeah, yeah. I've 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 come around. I, I like more now <laughs> because of that scene or with in Equus. No, or... <laughs> no, no. Uh, because of you know, um, Lean on Pete and the Rider from last year, which is a movie I think too many people have not seen, and it's fantastic. I I. I've been following Radcliffe's career because he also did The Woman in Black as well, which is a kind of attempt at horror that. film. It's okay; it's not the best in the world, but in Jungle was good because it's pretty much just him for the whole film, and I think that's very ah. hard for any actor to try and carry a film, and make it engaging, whilst also um, you know giving us uh, making us root for that character. He did well. He's kind of taken that sort of our patch, Robert Pattinson, the new Batman, yeah, um, rock path, which I and Robert Pattinson. Are, is a superb talent again good old british boy but um yeah i like the fact that he hasn't just taken the safe route and you know what i also like about daniel radcliffe he hasn't he hasn't turned around certainly not in recent years and said i wish i wasn't in harry potter i despise it he's so you know he's he's a grateful guy he might not want to be potter again or 
you know, particularly want to spend hours talking about them, but he's appreciative and recognizes what those films have done for his career and his life as well. So that's yeah. that's another thing which you know is is good to see because he had, he could have done a, a Harrison Ford and you know spent the next few decades just you know uh, biting the hand that fed him. But no, um, good on you, Daniel Radcliffe, and I'm looking forward to seeing you in more things going forward. Although from what I hear, Rupert Grant has won, even though maybe not in terms of like career choices, but I hear he's like really embraces being Ron Weasley. And like I heard he bought an ice cream truck and like delivers free ice cream to kids in, in neighborhoods or some crap That's like that. I, I, I don't know if any of it's true, but those are like the, the types of things I've heard about Rupert Grant. And I'm just like, how cool would it be if like an ice cream truck pulls up and it's freaking Ron Weasley <laughs> yeah. and he's just giving away the ice cream because he's like, I'm rich, whatever. It's fine. Um like if that's true man that's just that's a bill murray type you know thing to do like he's making himself the next bill murray figure in you know celebrity and i'm all for that uh <laughs> you know embrace the the character you were this thing like enjoy it. that's like mark hamill's like that too you yeah, know yeah. he he embraces that he's these iconic characters and he loves having fun with fans about it so you know um I'll, i'm all for that kind of thing and it, it makes me excited um, I think Ray Fiennes got the easiest because he's one of the most important figures in these movies, but most people would not know he was Voldemort because of all the the prosthetic, you know, missing nose and whatnot. So I thought he was perfect um, casting as well. Oh, oh, he's amazing. I'm not, I'm just saying, I think he, he's able to like have his cake and eat it too, so to speak. You know, he's in these iconic films, but most people don't know he's in these iconic films. If you see him on the street where like, if you see Daniel Radcliffe, I can't imagine the number of times he's probably been called Harry Potter, you know, <laughs> like, or like, Emma Watson's like, oh, Hermione! You know, like, no one's doing that to Ray Fiennes, except for, like, hardcore, like, movie nerds who are also Harry Potter fans, like us, for example. We would be like, Voldemort! <laughs> or you probably would say that to him. Yeah. But, but, I'm right. trying to think that Helena Bonham Carter maybe gets that as well. And, of course, we've got to, before we move on, got a shout-out to, a call, of course, the, maj- the majestic Alan Rickman, Sir Alan as Severus Snape. Oh, he was so such a wonderful... Um, he brought that character to life so well and again he was another great um, uh, he, he loved the franchise he loved the character of Snape had so much ownership over that character and it was it was great to see and Alan Rickman was just again in terms of brilliant casting Alan Rickman is possibly the best part casting of the entire saga can I clarify something too um, this is an American asking an English person something mm-hmm. um, I, I've never questioned it but I, I'm assuming that when a actress has dame put in front of their name, they've been knighted. Is that correct? That's right. Yeah, it's the it's okay. just a feminine equivalent of sir. Of sir. That's what I've never thought about it because Dame Judy Dench. I've never thought of to why we call her that. And then when you said Dame Emma Thompson, I'm like, okay, hold on. Yeah. <laughs> so Dame Emma. Started it's just, yeah, it's, just the, it's the knighthood. Um, I, don't, I don't know what the next level yeah. up from that. It's like Lord or something like that, but or Lord and Lady. Oh. But, um, it's very British, isn't it? Very posh. Um, but yeah, Dame Emma Thompson, and there's plenty of dames and sirs. But yeah, Sir Alan, um, Dame Emma Thompson. Yeah, she was knighted for her services to, well, film and entertainment. Uh, yeah. So she, yeah, it's a fem- female equivalent of Sir. Okay. I, I mean, I, again, I was able to put that together, but I figured, why not confirm it? Um, Ask the posh guy from Britain. <laughs> there you go. Well, let's get into number one from 2007. Uh, because we spent a lot of time with Harry Potter. I don't know if we're going to spend as much time with this particular film. Pirates of the Caribbean at World's End. Uh, the third of the original trilogies, uh, directed by Gore Verbinski. All right, wait, I got to say it like they say it on the trailers. Visionary director Gore Verbinski <laughs> yeah. um, from distributor Disney, of course. Johnny Depp, Orlando Bloom, Kieran Knightley, Stellan Skarsgård, 
I hold on. Who's telling Skarsgård in this movie? I can't remember, but I know he's in it. Huh? Bill Nighy, <laughs> who I uh, Chow Young Fat, Jeffrey Rush, Jack Davenport, Kevin R. McNally, and Jonathan Price uh, made nine hundred and sixty-three million. I cannot believe it beat Harry Potter. To be honest, like Only that's just so. kind of mind-boggling. Only just, but still, uh, forty-four Rotten Tomato. 7.1 IMDb user score because we're a lot more forgiving as fans of this trilogy. I am a fan of the trilogy. Um, and Metacritic 50. Uh, I uh, I was very late to Curse of the, the Black Pearl. That's the first one, right? Yes. Um, I didn't see it until it was on home video. Uh, I got really into it. Like crazy, way too much into it. Like I wasn't dressing like a pirate, thank God. But, that came later. Yeah, that was, that was only for extra cash. But it was a nerve racking uh type of thing for me when the second and third one were coming out i was really into it and i was like i can't wait to see these um and for the most part i like the second and the third one i i do not hate them like so many other people i wouldn't have thought it'd be that low on rt i i, I would only because i've heard people talk trash about them but i enjoy them for what they are i think depp does give a tremendous performance i also think it ruins his career uh, i think <laughs> he goes full jack sparrow after these films and so many of his movies um I like Kieran Knightley in these films. I love both Bill Nighy as um, Davy Jones, but I also love uh, Jeffrey Rush is Barbosa, yes, right? Yes, Barbosa. I love Barbosa. He is my favorite part of the three movies. Like I, I, I don't, and he's barely in the second one, but I love Barbosa so much. And I don't even know when that clicked for me, but at some point I was just like, I love this character. I don't know what it is, but I love that character so much. He is my favorite part of those movies. Um, and I will go to go to bat for that. Um, but I do like I like Bill Nighy anyways, but I really, really like him as Davy Jones. Uh, he's able to bring that emotion underneath the squid beard. He's able to bring emotion to a character that's predominantly CG. And I think that's an impressive feat. Um, uh, you know, I like a lot of the movie. They are a little long. There is some really cool visuals. There's interesting stuff going on. Um, the probably the worst part of the the trilogy is the Orlando Bloom Karen Knightley stuff, which takes a lot in this movie. It gets a lot of weight, and it's like oh, okay, we get it. Um, but I, I like it. Uh, I I don't think it's my. It's probably the worst of the three, but I still I don't hate it. I, I'm I'm a fan. I haven't watched it in a long time though. To be fair, like I've seen the first one many times, and I've seen the second and third one more than once, but I haven't seen the third one in a while. Yeah, I wasn't a massive fan of this one, to be honest. And just thinking about Johnny Depp as Jack Sparrow, it's just, just amazing to remember he got a an Oscar nod, didn't he, for playing Jack Sparrow, oh. which is um, quite amazing when you consider that, like you say, he just literally became Captain Jack Sparrow after this yeah. film. Um, I, I thought the At World's End was... I just thought it was a bit messy. It's so, it kind of similar to yeah, Spider-Man. There's so much going on. It become it's yes. a convoluted story, and it's nearly well, it's what nearly three hours long as well, which it is very. It really doesn't help. And do you know, I also other than other than uh, Barbosa and Jack Sparrow because they're always fun together. Um, and actually, Keith Richards was in it, and he was quite good as well. Surprisingly, I thought yeah, that he, he's his, he, Jack's dad, right? That's right. Yeah, and I think Senator um, yeah. Skarsgård is Will's dad. I think I want to say Bill Turner. Bootstrap. Bootstrap built That's right, yeah. Okay, I think okay. That's who he was. Yeah, 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 yeah. But I didn't find this film all that fun either. Um, apart from Barbosa and Jack Sparrow, what I will say is it looked it looked incredible at times. There are some such yeah. good looking scenes. I think uh, it's Darius Wolski 
was the DOP cinematographer on this. I thought it looked incredible. Some of the CGI is fantastic. And for for a Disney film, there are some pretty dark scenes in this, especially from yeah. the start as well, if I remember rightly. But I I wasn't a massive fan of this film. I don't mind the Pirates franchise. It's hugely hit and miss for me. And I do agree that those first two films are probably the best of the lot. But this film had a $300 million budget. And I mean, it's probably quite glad that they made nine on a billion. But that's a huge budget. I wouldn't put it as 44% on RT. But I wouldn't be that far off. Because it just didn't have the magic and the fun that the the previous two films had. But yeah, Jack Sparrow was and, and Barbosa for me were the absolute standouts. And Bill Nye, he is... Um, Again, again, British guy. Another great actor. But just to mention the cast, it's another solid cast, including Orlando Bloom, who is one of the most boring heroes in this entire saga. Uh, he is. And he mentioned the Will Turner, Will Turner and um, Kieran Knightley's character's romance. It doesn't help when his character is so one-dimensional. And I like Orlando Bloom. I think he's capable of some good roles. But, just yeah, it's kind of cardboard in this film. And without... Johnny Depp's mad cat performance and Barba and Barbosa together. Uh, I think I think the film would sink without a trace, to use a um a yeah. water pun. But he, you're, you're not fan. wrong. There is a lot. There is a lot of like stuff that could have easily been cut out. Storylines could have been thinned. Um, but I think what happened with this movie, different from Spider-Man Three, is they had. I don't think Barbosa was supposed to be back. I think he was supposed to end in the first movie. The second movie was missing him and they bring him back in an interesting kind of stupid way at the same time. But, um, because he was such a powerhouse, like mm-hmm. everyone's like, where is he? He, we need him. So then you have that storyline that's added. The whole trilogy is supposed to be the Orlando Bloom, Kira Knightley story. And that gets kind of pushed to the, the back burner because Jack Sparrow is such a dominating force that they have to make him have a story that's going to arc, which I don't think he was supposed to arc originally. I think he was just supposed to be a means to an end, but he becomes the centerpiece. Um, and I think you see that where it's like this movie's catering to what the fans wanted, mm-hmm. and but yet also still trying to finish what they started. And you just get all these interwoven things that don't really work. But if you look at them individually, there's things that you can pull out and enjoy. And that's, I think, how I went into this film is like I was content with so much of it that I ignored all the things I didn't like, unlike Spider-Man three, where I'm just like, all of this feels like a freaking stew that tastes like crap. So it's a crap stew. <laughs> what, an, what, a, what, a, what a, what a way to put it. It's a crap stew. And if you're listening, Gore, crap stew. you made a crap stew, but your, you, this film was certainly better than on stranger tides, which came next. Uh, which which I, nothing the to do only with one Kovinsky. I've not seen. Yeah. I have not seen the fourth pirates. Um, I, I did not like the fifth pirates. No, no. Uh, and then they brought Barbosa back, um, which I guess the Barbosa is in the fourth movie, I guess, but um, yeah, did not, did not like the fourth movie. Oh, I'm sorry. Did not see the fourth movie. Did not like the fifth movie, but I am a fan of the original trilogy, even though I do admit that I think World's End is probably the weakest of the three. So yeah, the first two I like, and I think in that fourth film, I don't even think Orlando Bloom is in it or Kira Knightley for that matter. It's pretty much a Johnny Depp show from then on. Yeah. But we've mentioned before that box office doesn't always equate to quality, but these films are absolute machines at the box office. You'd, to, you know, billion dollar films for the usually, or at least you know the high six figure. It, they're they're just money making machines. Whether or not they're good or is seems to be irrelevant. Um, so that was our that was a top ten. 
Uh, no, fun, fun fact, actually, that this was the last year, uh, as of 2019, that no movie crossed over a billion dollars at the box office. Nothing. Yeah, that's really crazy. I mean, obviously, part of that's going to be inflation, but um, and ticket prices because ticket prices have gone up. And well, two thousand seven, uh, what Avatar comes out two thousand nine, right? Yes. So that's when you get a flux of three D movies, which increases ticket pricing, mm-hmm. and the IMAX theaters start to become a thing, and so that increases a lot. And now, of course, we have the RDX thing, and we have the four uh, D, the D box, and four D. All those variations that increase ticket prices that affect that box office total. Because I mean, think Avengers. A big part of why they hit eleven billion is they were in every IMAX screen in the world, basically. Um, and so those tickets are going anywhere from twenty to like thirty bucks a ticket. Versus the seven eight dollars a ticket that would have been in two thousand seven. So yeah, that's why it's always so. A lot of, some people don't hold stock in box office simply for that matter because Gone with the Wind has sold God knows how many tickets and would, and is still for inflation by far the biggest film of all time. But there's so many of those different variables that when does it where do you stop? But um, yeah. so yes, yeah, so to have a, to have a year, nowadays it's almost it's nowadays it's kind of it's strange to not have three or four or five films potentially cost a billion dollars i mean this year obviously endgame we've had we're gonna get um aquaman did it was that this year was that aquaman was that aquaman, aquaman 2018 but um okay we've had endgame we've got the lion king surely gonna do it the rise of skywalker surely gonna be a billion dollars toy story 4 potentially very likely to get over a billion dollars. Disney's going to be rolling in it. Spider-Man Far From Home, probably maybe going to get very close to it. We could have like, I mean, just the Disney films alone could rake in over five billion between them and each making a billion. So to find out that the last, it has been 12 years since we had a film which didn't make a billion is a, uh, it's quite interesting. And just to go for the mathematics now, we had an average budget of 158.8 million bucks this year uh, and, an av- and a total of 1.58 billion the worldwide gross, the average gross for these films was just shy of seven hundred million, um, and six point nine billion worldwide gross. Uh, so the average RT for the top ten was sixty three percent. The average IMDb IMDb score was seven point oh seven, and the average Metacritic was sixty four. So, what does that hmm. say about the top ten? Sixty three, seven point seven, and sixty four. I mean, you have the one that's really bringing it down is the Book of uh, Secrets, right? Like, that one's the worst. Not far behind um, of uh, At World's End. No, no. I mean, well, nine. Nine's a big percentage gap, right? And then Shrek the Third's in the middle of those two. Oh, of course. Um, but, uh, you know, um, I think there's some good stuff here. There is – box office does not equate quality. We've always – we know that. Um, I think this is a kind of a foreshadowing of how the summer – time will change mm-hmm. like a lot of these are summer releases yeah. um and they are the top box office grocers and these are all blockbusters none of these are you know little indie companies i mean look at our like we have two warner brothers films we have three disney films in the top 10 um uh which now if you want to be technical the simpsons are owned by disney so there's four <laughs> um and i was wrong three warner brothers films uh two paramount films and um, one Sony, because Sony's never really been great at uh, hitting that those those movies. Um, but yeah, like you see that this is the this is that transition. There's not going to be the smaller studios getting into this box office any longer. Um, you're only going to see those on the notable list. Pretty much, and in every episode of astrology, the notable list 
for most of the episodes, I'll, I'll say, the notable list actually ends up containing some of our favourite movies and some probably some of the better quality. Um, but just to uh, end on that note, Spider-Man, Harry Potter, Pirates of the Caribbean, films which are primed to make huge money, which they did, none of them made over a billion. So uh, yeah, it's interesting to, to note that. But like we just mentioned, that was a top ten. We're been and done with that one. What else hit our screens in 2007? Hitting the screen. So, um, I don't know exactly the best way to go about this. There's a lot on here. We can't talk about all of them. There are some movies on this list, though, from 2007 that I saw that are, like, not movies now. Like, I I forgot they existed kind of thing. Like, Meet the Robinsons is a good example. With the exception of the Tyrannosaurus Rex saying, I have a big head and tiny arms... That movie doesn't exist, right? Like, that movie is basically forgotten by most. Yeah. Um, but there's some big hitters from directors that I'm a big fan of on this list. Uh, I'm going to hit three of those real fast. Zodiac, oh. David Fincher, um, which I freaking love that movie for so many reasons, but I'm also a big Fincher supporter. Um, we have No Country for Old Men by the Coens, who I flippin' love so, so much. I'm such a Coen brother fanboy. And No Country is one of my favorites by them. And then uh, Paul Thomas Anderson, we get There Will Be Blood, which, oh my freaking God, we begin the Daniel Day-Lewis-Paul Thomas Anderson collaborations, and we are forever better for it because the movies are amazing. So um, those three alone just, like, trump any doubt that 2007 is a really good film year. And there's more movies those are just three that I'm like blown away are all from the same year. I'll chuck out. I'll throw out a few names just to reiterate the kind of films that we had and memorable films for whatever reason. Superbad came out this year. Uh, everybody remembers McLovin. Um, the Mist, uh, Frank Darabont, one of an, another, a very decent Stephen King adaptation. Sweeney Todd came out. And then we had a, an excellent horror film in The Orphanage. Um, and one... Which I know that uh, John's probably going to talk about shortly is uh, Juno came out in 2007. Yeah, I'm a big, 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 big Juno fan. I, I've heard people trash the movie, and I will say I think it is starting to age. Um, I like I used to teach it. I've taught it two or three different years. The first year the kids really ate it up. Second year they liked it, but it wasn't their favorite. Third year they seem really disinterested, and I think it's starting to age out. Mm-hmm. I think it's just of the time. But um, I, it introduced me to Ellen Page, who I thought was fantastic. This is, uh, I think, the second Michael Sarah film I will see. Obviously, Superbad comes out that year. Um, it is one of the only Jennifer Garner performances I do not hate. <laughs> um, and I love Jason Bateman, and he's great in this. Um, I, I'm, a, I'm still a big fan. I also think J.K. Simmons gives an amazing performance in a, a really well-written character. And obviously, uh, Diablo Cody, Reitman collaborations. I like all three. Um, he They did... Uh, a, a young adult and then last year's tully which i love tully i i've heard mixed reviews um but for me tully really clicked um so yeah juno is a big one for me um an, another important film of this era is the movie that is credited with destroying the musical biopic um by satirizing it so perfectly walk hard the dewey cox story mm, john c uh, riley isn't it yeah john c riley jenna fisher kristen wig um it, it hits every kind of beat that every musical biopic has ever done. And I've heard many critics uh, ultimately attribute it ruining that genre in a good way. Like, it's just like you can't make one anymore because you're going to compare it to the parody. And the parody is so perfectly executed. Um, and I would argue that 
uh, pop star Never Stop Never Stopping does the pop biopic the same way. Like it rips up any of those, like the Justin Bieber Never Say Never, all that. Um, it's a perfect parody. But um, there's some other big movies on this list. One for me, my favorite director's second film, uh, Hot Fuzz, comes out in 2007. Of course, yes. Uh, um, you know, Edgar Wright, uh, Simon Pegg, Nick Frost collaboration. I love the trilogy. You get uh, the our only James Bond on this list, man. There's no Bond this year, but we get Timothy Dalton in Hot Fuzz, so <laughs> yes. it works out. We get so we get Bond. Um, we get our, our fix of Bond. Yeah, because he's you know he just looks like Bond. You can't get even with the mustache. I'm still like you're Bond. You take that mustache <laughs> off, James Bond. I see past you, 007. Um, and his uh, wicked like puns where he it's just like they said it. Oh God, Edgar Wright's so brilliant. Um. I love Hot Fuzz and Hot Fuzz was the slowest for me. The first time I saw it, I was like, it's okay. And then the second I was like, no, this is pretty great. And then the third time I'm like, this movie's amazing. And I'm an idiot for not loving it the first time. Um, a lot of it, I didn't get a lot of the references and what he was trying to do. And then now I'm, I've broken this film down in every frame. Like I know, Hot, I know all of his movies to that level of obsessive nerd detail. And Hot Fuzz um, is so strong. Uh, such a great film from that year. Um, and I don't know if I already said it, but of, we, we were talking about the animated films on the top 10. But my favorite animated film from that year is Surf's Up. Okay. Um, I think you mentioned I this love, before, actually, yeah. I'm a big supporter of this film. It's one of the best Shia LaBeouf performances. It is a great uh, sequel to Big Lebowski for Jeff Bridges because, <laughs> yes, we get to see a, a, a Big Lebowski tribute this year in cinema. I won't say where. But... Um, he's totally playing the big Lebowski in this. He's just a, a penguin surfer instead of the dude. He, um, and I, I love that. And then uh, it's, I, I actually didn't realize Zoe Deschanel was the love interest until just now, but even, and John Heater as the, the stoner chicken character is hilarious. Like the movie's funny. It's a funny movie. Um, I really, really enjoy it. And uh, it's one that I, I feel like has been sorely forgotten. And I think that's a shame because I think it's great. We're going to bring back Surf's Up as a hashtag there, which was the word which was first introduced in 2007. Well, I think it might be ruined because they did do a straight-to-DVD sequel that features WWE superstars, um, and I think that, that might have tarnished it forever. But... <laughs> yeah, when you get the WWE superstars, other than uh, Fighting My Family, you know, you know you're in a bit of trouble. There's so many films that came out this year. I'm just going to, again, just some more. chuck out a few more because there's literally like so many... I enjoyed Bridge to Terabithia. Uh, Gabe oh, saddest movie Exactly, ever, but it wasn't, wasn't supposed to be like that, but based, based on that marketing. There was a horror film, a horror, James Wan. Um, uh, Dead, Silent. Dead Silent. Which I, I was surprised. Again, it's one of those kind of solid liked, films, yeah. Yeah, Corey and I did a movie club episode because she's a huge fan of that movie. And yeah, I, I like it. It's it's crazy. I, bought, I remember buying it um, as part of like a five- DVDs for like £20 kind of thing. I was like, oh, that looks quite good. I get that. Enjoyed it. Blades of Glory because came out. I mentioned that because yeah. I quote the line, if you can dream it, you can do it weekly. Every week that oh. comes out with my mouth somewhere. Grindhouse, Robert Rodriguez, of course we've mentioned him before, and Quentin Tarantino. Uh, so that came out. Planet Terror and Death Proof. I've not watched Planet Terror. I have seen Death Proof. Um, I need to. I need to watch Planet Terror. I own both. I it's, just haven't watched that one. Okay, it's a, it's mad. Uh, Bug. Yeah. Uh, by William Freakin came out. The uh, notorious oh. Bug stars Ashley Judd. Oh, Michael Shannon. Michael Shannon, Harry Connick Jr. in 
three just mad performances. Buck itself, I'm a big fan of Billy Friedkin. Anyone who knows the shows will know that. Buck's okay. Mm-hmm. It's it's it, it's mental. It's weird. It's all right. It's not his best film in the world, but it's it was a good comeback into the genre, considering he did The Guardian, which was shit basically. So. Uh, to back one step on our list here, 28 Weeks yeah, Later, yeah, the, the sequel, uh, yeah. a really strong sequel to the first film. In fact, I, I think it moves better than the first movie. Like, the first movie is deliberately paced a little slower at times. Um, there's some big gaps where things kind of stretch out. I think 28 Weeks Later, like, Renner is great in it, and uh, so is Robert Carlyle. And Rose Byrne. Um, and Rose well. Byrne. I know, right? Like, I, she's so freaking awesome. Um, knocked up. Yeah, I, I knocked up. A really solid comedy, but it's also I at this point I don't need to see it again. Yeah, it is one but of those films, I, isn't it, where I laugh my ass off watching it. Haven't gone back to see yeah. it since. And partly because I don't really like Catherine Heigl's like <laughs> real life persona, I know. man. She's... She got so, her head got so big. I mean, like Seth Rogen was he? It got, these are the kind of films which are making him as well, but he didn't go down that direction. He just carried on being Seth Rogen. But Catherine Heigl yeah. kind of changed, shall we say? Yeah, but I do. I like Paul Rudd and Leslie Mann's characters, which get the spin off the uh, This is 40, which is not great, but it's it's funny. There's there's funny lines in it. There's a whole lost arc in This is 40 that I enjoy. So um, this movie gives us that. And obviously uh, you got a a crazy comedic cast in this movie that like is almost it's I forget how many people are in this film because Jason Siegel's not even on our list. And he's one of the roommates, you know, like. Mm hmm. Oh, I love Alan Tudyk. Bill Hader. We're going to see him in it, Chapter Two, soon as well. I mean, mm-hmm. what else we got? Uh, Evan Almighty. Uh, you know, I I unashamedly enjoyed Hairspray as well uh, with Nikki Blonsky, John Travolta, Michelle Pfeiffer, Chris Walker. Yeah, my my man, who you saw recently, who I'm so jealous of. Uh, Zach Efron, Amanda Bynes, yep. pretty odd. Amanda Bynes, James Marsden. I yep. had a good time with Hairspray. It's not a good film, but I enjoyed it for what it's worth. Um. Live Free or Die Hard, yes. which is a hated, but I think the last really good Die Hard movie. Um, and Kevin Smith's in that one in a cameo role. But Elizabeth Winstead as his daughter. I love Justin Long in that movie. I think he's hilarious. Um, but I, I tend to think Justin Long's hilarious regardless. So uh, what um, else we got? Halloween? We got another Halloween, which is probably better we forget it exists. Yep. The, the actual movies did. Um, Wes Anderson's uh, Darjeeling Limited, which is... Among my least favorite of his, but it's it's because it is a little more challenging to get through. Um, I do like Schwartzman a lot. I'm not a big Adrian Brody fan. Um, I think he's a little odd, and mm-hmm. I I kind of blame the village for that. But um, uh, but then jumping down a little bit, I don't mean to jump too much, no. but uh, Gone Baby Gone, man, Ben Affleck, I love, film, wasn't it? Yeah, and a- Casey Affleck is yeah. so good in it, and Michelle Monaghan too is great in that movie. Um, I'm a I'm a fan of Gone Baby Gone. I think it's really interesting, and I I know Casey Affleck has had a troubled past with uh, some of the accusations levied at him. Although compared to other actors, there his accusations are a little more mild, still not good. But I am a, a Casey Affleck fan, and at least in terms of performance, not his life choices. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I struggle because it's so many. We've got th- uh, Three Ten to Yuma, Eastern Promises, a very good David Cronenberg film, The Assassination of Jesse James by the Coward Robert Ford, again, Casey Affleck, Sam Rockwell, Brad Pitt, My Into the Wild is a film which a lot of people, I in too enjoy Into the Wild, Sean Penn directed it, uh, it's one of those films that a lot of people cite and really enjoy, yeah, another I Resident Evil that. film, 
came out as well. Yep, yep. The third one. Another Saw film. The fourth one, which, yeah. yeah. B-movie, though, which is now an internet sensation, right? Like, it <laughs> is one of the most memeable things ever where people were, like, posting the whole freaking script on websites and <laughs> nonsense. I don't know what the hell happened, but somehow the B-movie survives through this year and becomes a meme, like, ten years later. Like, it's insane. It's going to be more popular now than it was then. For sure. Beowulf, with uh, some stodgy C- Robert Zemeckis oh, doing his weird facial CGI yeah. thing. <laughs> Ray Winston, He's... the Ray, Ray, Ray Winston, the governor. Um, I thought he was quite good in the leading role. It's got a great cast: Brendan Gleeson, Crispin Glover, Anthony Hopkins, Angelina Jolie, Robin Wright, Penn, Greg Elliott. What a great cast! It's just a shame the movie wasn't all that good. Yeah, I've not sat through it, but I, I know enough about it to like not sit through it. So, um, I mean, God, there is so many movies this year, like that. Like, Atonement? I don't know if it was just if I was just more aware of movies in two thousand seven, but. Like, I haven't seen all of them, but I know most of these movies to some degree, even if I haven't seen them. Yeah, I mean, um, Alvin and the Chipmunks, come on! I did see that, because my, my kid, as I mentioned, we were hitting... This is that we started taking her to the theaters more often. Like, we saw Shrek the Third, we saw Ratatouille, Alvin and the Chipmunks. Um, don't think we went to B-movie, thank goodness, uh, <laughs> at, at the time. We did eventually it watch a it. a memeable film ten years later. Yes, I was on the cusp of that knowledge. Um, <laughs> Enchanted was one I didn't see right away, but my do- my daughter ended up, we got it on DVD, and she watched it quite a bit. I still don't think I ever sat through the whole thing, but I mean, Amy Adams, James Marsden, um, and uh, the one guy that's on that one show, Patrick Dempsey, that's his Him. name. I always forget that. Dream, name. John McDreamy. Yeah, yeah. Um, Charlie Wilson's War, uh, a weird Tom Hanks, uh, Julia Roberts, Philip Seymour Hoffman, Mike Nichols movie with Amy Adams playing like his secretary, like barely in the movie. Um, A very, very popular romance, though, man. P.S. I Love You. My wife and I watched that and my wife loved that movie. Like it was, uh, man, I don't I haven't seen it in years. But at the time, everyone, all the people I knew were talking about P.S. I Love You, like all my coworkers. It was just this like romance that had infiltrated the the zeitgeist i i liked i know you're a big fan of those films i like ps i love you as well um the golden compass had a great cast but wasn't yeah that good i didn't think atonement i wanted the sequels uh it was a brave movie to do though because it, if i'm not mistaken the books deal heavily with like atheism and that's yeah. not something that people generally flock to so no um so i can imagine in the states they don't either um i say atonement came out with kira knightley and james mcavoy and saoirse ronan atonement yep. I, I enjoyed that film uh we got a decent hayden christensen film in awake which i actually really enjoyed um, not sure mm. many other people did, but me and Roger Roger Rebert did anyway. We thought Awake was very decent. Um, Sweeney Todd, Dean and Barbara Fleet Street mentioned Johnny Depp. He got to have more fun, of course. Helena Bonham Carter, uh, Alan Rickman, Timothy Spall, Sasha Baron Cohen as well. Another great lineup of um, and uh, uh, actors. That's the word I was thinking of. Tim Burton. There again. it is. I didn't mind Sweeney Todd as a musical. I remember going to see it at the cinema and thought it was quite good. What I didn't like was Alien vs. Predator Requiem, uh, which kind of went nope. down the John Wick Chapter 3 Parabellum by having a really stupid sort of sub subtitle, Requiem Parabellum. Um, it might, but then again, Requiem may have been better than the first Alien vs. Predator. It was only because you got to see more of the Alien and the Predator, which is something severely lacking from the first Alien yeah. vs. Predator. It's one of those films that I Alien. really want to go back and rewatch to to hope that I enjoy it, but I know I'm not going to. Yeah, no, it's not great. Um, yep, and Alpha Dog is another Emil Hirsch vehicle yeah. that uh, 
that has Anton Yelchin. I'm a big Yelchin yes. fan. Uh, has one of the biggest Ben Foster performances. It's it's very over the top. I did not enjoy his performance in that movie at all. But um, not a bad movie, and based on a true story. Yeah. Bruce Willis is popping up in a few films this year as well. Um, the Water yeah. Horse, yeah. just for John, it's got a horse in the title. There will be blood. He mentioned that earlier on. I mean, this this is this film. This year is stacked. Some of the films on this list are awful, but they are. But people remember them. Which is what I, which is yep, what, yeah. which is again, maybe it's just, maybe it's just because of the bubble we live in, but, um, but the orphanage, uh, Juan Antonio Bayona, J. A. Bayona, who recently did uh, the Jurassic World, uh, Fallen Kingdom film. Ah, uh, yeah. But the orphanage is a magnificent. Uh, I can't maybe up, but it's a very, very good horror film. If anybody has hasn't seen it, honestly, watch it. It's such an atmospheric horror film. I, kind of I haven't I seen it. I haven't seen it. I hear it's great. I need to watch it. I just haven't. Get, honestly, go, go and go and watch it or i mean if anyone skipped wild hogs well done um oh, oh man i saw that oh, one man. uh yeah not great but there's some stupid funny parts it does not hold up though boy some of that humor is homophobic yeah, but yeah exactly we've got tmnt teenage oh sorry teenage mutant Ninja oh, i Turtles do like too. that I, I, that's, well, that's the uh animated one yeah, right? yeah like i didn't realize chris evans was in that yep, holy cow Miller, kevin smith patrick stewart sangji Wow, I didn't realize Kevin Smith was in it. Yeah, um, yeah, I I like that one. Um, it's not my favorite one, but I like it. And Disturbia, Shia LaBeouf was quite good in that film as well. I didn't mind Disturbia. No, I still haven't watched it, but it's a remake of Rear Window yeah, or a retelling, a retelling of Rear yeah. Window. But... It'd never be as good as that, but I thought it was okay. So I mean, The Hills of Eyes too. I thought The Hills of Eyes was a a, a decent um, affair fused previously as well. Mister Brooks, they had Kevin Costner playing a bad guy. Yep, have not watched that. Own it. Haven't seen no. it. Um, Fantastic Four: Rise of the Silver Surfer. Do anything for you? No, that movie's awful. <laughs> uh, although I did like Lawrence Fishburne as Silver Surfer. Um, That's something. Like the voice of it. Yeah, I mean, and Chris Evans was a like the highlight of those two movies, though, right? Like as yeah, yeah. Human Torch. Yeah, pre Captain um, America days. Yep. Uh, and then um, I, I've still not watched this movie. I've owned it for years, but the number twenty three. Uh, I did not realize Joel Schumacher directed, uh, but Jim Carrey, it's his, like, weird thriller suspense like serious movie. Serious Jim Carrey, yeah. Yeah, uh, so I, I've, I've been meaning to watch it for a long time. I just haven't. Um, an interesting John Cusack, Samuel L. Jackson film, 1408. Mm-hmm, yeah, yeah. I thought it was a pretty solid horror film. Um, I saw that in the theater for some reason. Um, I don't know why. And I have not seen this, but my daughter just watched Stardust in her English class at, at work, and she liked it. Um I don't like Claire Danes, <laughs> so that was the first thing that pushed me away from it. Um, <laughs> as soon as she starts crying, but, that's it. Yep, I'm out. I check out when she starts to tear up. But um, And then I've also been meaning to watch the uh, not highly regarded uh, The Invasion <laughs> because it is the fourth version of the Body Snatcher films. And um, it's I didn't realize Daniel Craig was in it. I knew Nicole Kidman was in it. But, um, yeah, I've heard what you just noised. I, I have heard... Uh, Basically from everybody. So it's the invasion's one. okay. It's not the the number twenty three. On the other hand, is uh, I thought anyway. But the invasion, the invasion's one of those films. It's just solid, but you know it doesn't really ever for me anyway. It never really got above anything other than this is okay. And I guess we should point out uh, the the end of the Bourne trilogy, Ultimatum, yeah, comes yeah. out. 
And then uh, the end of Adam Sandler's career almost, right? The, I now pronounce you Chuck and Larry. It starts the downward slide of Sandler films. Before um, we picked up a massive check from Netflix to release yeah. usually quite rubbish. Other than the Mayorit stories, very good. Um, but that wasn't part of his. That, that's a Noah Baumbach Netflix contract, not exactly, Sandler's yeah. contract. Um, for all you Emma Roberts fans out there, I am one of them. Nancy Drew came out this year as well, and obviously she's gone on to sort of shed that Nancy Drew image. But uh, I'm a big fan of Emma Roberts, a little new sort of new scream queen. Oh, I didn't realize she was Nancy Drew. She that's was interesting. Nancy Drew. Yeah, that's where she kind of started, and then obviously went on from there for American Horror. Horror Story yeah. and um, uh, the Black Coat's Daughter, Scream Four, the Black Coat's Daughter, which I mentioned in one of our last pods together. Uh, she was also in Little Italy with Hayden Christensen recently, which I didn't mind. Um, but there's, there's, I mean, Centrinians came out, another Centrinians, the first of the kind of re- the new remake of Centrinians, which was okay. Again, it's got Colin Firth in, which which attracted me to it. But there's so much came out this year. Mr. McGorium's Wonder Emporium, Dustin Hoffman, Natalie Portman, Jason Bateman, uh, Southland Tales, Sean William Scott, uh, Scott and Dwayne Johnson. And, yeah. I mean, Lions Their second as movie well. together. Um second movie together if i'm not mistaken because i think that was after uh the fool i can't think of what it's called now the first like successful rock action movie that oh. had sean william scott in it uh i can't think of what it's called now but that is i, I think normally know it. yeah anyways i think that's we've covered this year pretty thoroughly that's a lot of freaking movies that came out in 2007 yeah, um, so like we said, some not all of them are excellent, but they're worth noting because uh, some of them, some like the B movie, some of them have just gained this sort of weird internet notoriety um, since then. I mean, Ghost Rider, Smoking Aces. Mm-hmm. I don't think we mentioned either one of those. Uh, Ghost Rider, uh, two Nicolas Cage kind of yeah vehicles this year because of the the sequel to uh, National Treasure. Yeah. And- now he's come back. He's, he stopped doing those kind of mere films. And now he's come back as sort of like uber Nicholas Cage in the last few years with Mum and Dad and Mandy. He's just like over the top Nicholas Cage. This is kind of bowed down to the internet's wishes for what they want him to be. And both films are pretty bloody awful, especially Mandy. Um, but they were our notable releases anyway. So let's uh, go a little bit further with this. Winners and losers. So we're going to look at the awards. For 2007, uh, both the Academy Awards and the uh, growingly obnoxious Golden Raspberry Awards or the Razzies. Um, I, I've early when we started this podcast, I was a big fan of the Razzies, and <laughs> I, I think it was the last one where I got really defensive with some of their choices. So, <laughs> yeah. um, uh, we'll have to see if they upset me again. Um, although this year the Oscars, I think, do some things very right, and uh, yeah, you want to um, jump into that, right? Yeah, so um. I, I, I enjoy the Razzie Awards for what they're worth. I do in, I, I, I find myself laughing whilst compiling them. But uh, let's start with the Academy Awards. What was our best picture? No Country for Old Men. As I mentioned, I'm a Cohen fan. Uh, beating out uh, Paul Thomas Anderson's uh, There Will Be Blood. But I think that's the right choice. I think that movie's better overall. I think it's easier to watch for some, but it's also really intriguing. And you get an amazing performance in that movie that I'll save for a moment or two. It was well directed as well. Because uh, it was also what they also won best director for Joel and Ethan Cohen for No Country for yep. Old Men, and then our best actor that year, Daniel Day Lewis for There Will Be Blood. Um, I will drink your milkshake uh, is all we have to say. Right? <laughs> I got no, absolutely no no arguments about that. Best actress uh, Marion Cotillard for La Vie en Rose. 
which we didn't even mention that movie, so I don't know what that is. I hadn't seen it. I know who she is. Haven't I know nothing of that film, but I do think this is where uh, Christopher Nolan takes interest in Marion Cotillard because he pulls her in for Inception and Dark Knight Rises. Why? Um, not why, because she's a marvelous actress. But why did he treat yeah. her like he did? Yeah, in both of those films. Yeah, Olivia Rose um, is an okay film. Uh, best supporting actor goes to Javier Bardem for his crazy performance in No Country for Old Men. Mad. Uh, best supporting actress Tilda Swinton for another film we'd have mentioned, Michael Clayton. Yeah, um, I almost brought it up, but I haven't seen it, so I didn't. But uh, best original screenplay goes to Diablo Cody for Juno. Um, this was also her first screenplay, and her she was a, uh, a call girl or a stripper or something before she wrote the screenplay, and that's her story. If you've not read it, is quite interesting. I, I haven't read like a bio or anything, just like reading like you know articles or whatnot. It's an interesting story, and uh, her winning an Oscar for her first screenplay is insane, especially with that. Yeah. Best adapted spleen, uh, screenplay. 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 <laughs> so I've just had a, a swig of my tea and hadn't gone down properly. Best adapted screenplay. Well, look at this. Joel and Ethan Cohen for No Country for Old Men, based on Cormac McCarthy's novel. Yep, and this is one of their only years where they get the recognition that they really deserve. Um, best animated feature goes to Ratatouille, uh, directed by Brad Bird, which would just set the bar for Pixar winning almost every year. Except for, Except for this year, year, which I had my Spider Verse, yeah, which was which is on my list, which helped me to finish joint top of the book reviews Oscar draft. Um, mm-hmm. Best original score, Dario Marinelli's uh, score for Atonement. Oh, and I am oh my god, this is so cool that this is this year. And how is it this year if it's not on our freaking notable releases list, my friend? Uh, once must have came out in two thousand seven because it wins best original song for Falling Slowly. And let me just tell you. Man, I am a huge fan of John Carney. He's only done four films, three of which are all based around music, Once, Begin Again, and Sing Street. Um, and I love this film. I I praise it, teach it, uh, just think it is outstanding, especially because it is such an interesting story of how it was even made. So this song, uh, this soundtrack, I listen to on the regs, and uh, I absolutely adore Falling Slowly. Well, there's a massive um, pat on the back for once there. I would like you to uh, say who who wrote the song, just for your pronunciation. Uh, Glenn Hansard and Markita Erglova. Nice. Well, they put me in my place. Um, and best <laughs> cinematography, one I always look for, uh, went to Robert Ellswick for There Will Be Blood. Um, yep. Yeah, I'm not going to really argue gorgeous. any of those, to be honest, which is a, fir- which is a first for a long time. Yeah, I, I'm content with most of that. I love seeing Once get there. And, of course, Once would uh, kind of do the flip because it's a, a movie musical that then gets adapted for Broadway and wins a bunch of Tonys. Um, so it's an interesting kind of reverse story. Um, let's get to the Razzies, though. Let's get these are the – yeah. yeah, if you're not familiar with the Razzies, these are like the worst of the year <laughs> awards. So these are the the negative Oscars. They're the, the ones that like to insult the filmmakers and the actors <laughs> – um, and sometimes it's rude, and sometimes it's funny. But let's see what happens. Let's have a look then. So the worst picture for the Razzies of this year was I Know Who Killed Me, the Lindsay Lohan vehicle. Yeah, which I think most – it's not a movie, right? Like it, nobody remembers that. Yeah, like, so it's just – yeah. Uh, it's it's almost like kicking you know the, the dead horse, so to speak, <laughs> or beating the dead horse because no it. one saw that movie. Um, Eddie Murphy in Norbit is the worst actor, which – Dang, you know, <laughs> um, Norbit, yeah, that's yeah, and he was playing Norbit. It, it, 
It's funny how they pull this this year, though, I have to say. Like, uh, the Eddie Murphy is not over, let's just say. <laughs> or I know who killed me. The worst actress, Lindsay Lohan in I know who killed me. Yep. Uh, worst supporting actor, Eddie Murphy in Norbit, because this is him as Mr. Wong, which uh, that's not a good sign. Um, <laughs> well, guess who the worst supporting actress was, John? Who Who is it? It can't be uh, Lindsay Lohan again, right? Oh, well, sorry to disappoint. It's Eddie Murphy in Norbit as Rasputia. <laughs> oh geez uh yeah this is eddie murphy got in that stint um started with coming i mean how many of his movies does he play multiple characters coming to america he does it which is going way back so, into his yeah. career then um, uh, the oh great film nutty professor uh does it again dr doolittle was he just dr doolittle Do- i think he might just be dr doolittle in that one but um uh, who knows he might have it might be in every one of his movies he does something like that but um, but okay, uh, worst director was Chris Siverston for I Know Who Killed Me. Worst screenplay was Jeffrey Hammond for I Know Who Killed Me. Well, worst screen couple, Lindsay Lohan and Lindsay Lohan as the yang to her own yin in I Know Who Killed Me. That is an incredible... <laughs> um, worst remake or ripoff, I Know Who Killed Me for being a ripoff oh. of Hostel, Saw <laughs> and The Patty Duke Show. I I did not know that. Um, that's weird. Uh, worst prequel or sequel, Daddy Day Camp. Um, and worst <laughs> worst excuse for a horror movie was Sony TriStars. I know who killed me. So um, the big winner loser is uh, I know who killed me, and poor old Eddie Murphy. Yeah, he really got attacked. Um, uh, like he's got to be the first one to win worst actor, worst supporting actor, worst supporting actress. In a single award, right? Like, and maybe the first male to win the worst supporting actress. I think so. I like, think you should be quite proud of that. I mean, there's you know milestones, I guess, right? Like, is it's it, interesting. Is it goals to try to want to be able to win to beat for me to want to kind of win best actress one day. I mean, yeah, and it's 2019, right? So you can exactly. do that. It just unfortunately, Eddie Murphy just didn't quite hit the nail on the head. This time around, but I feel I'm thinking about um, poor old Chris Simpson for what he's done since um, I know who killed me because that film was absolutely slaughtered upon release and just and to be honest, since then he hasn't actually really done anything of any note whatsoever. So it's fair to say that that film killed him. The film we did before that, um, which was called Lost or The Lost, was um, okay, but yeah, I know who killed me. I think that may also be a metaphor for his career. Yeah, I, I don't, I don't know any. I didn't know who that was when I said his name. So yeah, uh, it definitely did not help him get going in this career. But it pretty much put the blockers on anything he wanted to do after that. By the looks of it, so um, yeah, thanks for that, Lindsay Lohan. But whereas um, the the Razzies are just a bit of fun. I think the Oscars got it spot on. Uh, and we always go into, we always look into the top ten as well. So the films that made the most money, did they also impress the Academy? And oh, not so much, a, right? It's sparse, yeah. Um, the Pirates of the Caribbean at World's End gets nominations for best makeup and best visual effects, but no wins. Yeah, Transformers gets nominations, yes, Transformers. Best sound mixing, best sound editing, and best visual effects. And I would venture to say it's probably like the only one that gets all of those nominations. They might get some more visual effects nods, but um, and then Ratatouille wins best animated feature, uh, but is also nominated for best original screenplay, best original score, 
best sound editing and best sound mixing, which is that's weird for an animated movie, I guess. But yeah, or at least sure. it doesn't feel like that's normal. No, um, I'm see. a little surprised yeah. 300 didn't get best visual effects, uh, at least a nomination, um, because that's the only thing I really remember liking about 300 was the really interesting visuals. Um, and I would I would assume they're all special effects, but yeah, I mean, I would have exp- I would have assumed The Simpsons could have got a best animated feature just because it's an animated feature. Yeah, yeah. we didn't even uh, get a nomination. Shrek the third, actually, yeah. was the B movie nominated? No, uh, no, no, it wasn't. No, um, <laughs> um, yeah, but I mean, nothing. I mean, Spider Man three didn't get anything. Funnily enough, but yeah, straight, I mean, Harry Potter and the Order of the Phoenix. You'd expect maybe costume design or something or makeup, but no. Um, I am legend. Oh, fair enough. I expect that national treasure was just lucky to be in the top ten. But we, it's a really sparse year for awards, and it's we've spoken about it on this show before. Whereas the 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 uh, early years of film, even like going back to the sixties and the seventies as well, those films, the top ten were littered with Academy Award wins. In recent years, not so much. Yeah, not at all. I'm I'm trying to look up. Uh, I'm curious. The, okay, so nomination for animated films. Hey, Surf's Up gets nominated for Best Animated Feature Film. There you go. How it, about that? We'll love for it. It's justified. <laughs> there it is. See, I wasn't the only one. Um, it looks like they only had three nominations that year. That maybe uh, Persepolis was, is the only other one listed. I was, I was surprised that The Simpsons didn't get nominated just because it's The Simpsons. And it also had critic backing. Yeah, like yeah. The, the the stats were were high, higher than I would have thought. Yeah, to be it honest. made money. It got good reviews, and it's got that IP of just being the Simpsons behind it. Oh. So, uh, yeah, yeah. Surprisingly, well, quite, well, not entirely surprising that the it didn't win many. The top ten didn't garner any awards, but slightly surprising that there wasn't a few more nominations at least. But uh, award season two thousand and seven. Thumbs up, thumbs down. Uh thumbs up. I'd say, you know, one, the Razzies didn't diss anything that I think is great. <laughs> um, and the Oscars gave awards to things I think are deserving. So, hey, thumbs up. Yeah, I think this is one of the years where I think this is going to become a thing that we do uh, going forward. But this is one of the years that the Academy absolutely got it right. I wonder if they'll do that, yeah. uh, how often we'll be saying that. But um, Not, that was the uh, award. So we know life is transient. Nature and existence certainly came into play during 2007, which brings us on to this. Comings and goings. Births and deaths. Now, because the births have to be someone was born and have become famous in the industry since their birth, that would mean they're only about 12 years old. So there's nobody on this list this year. Not impossible, but no one made it uh, for birth. So we only get to look at the sad part of this list those who left us in 2007 yeah i mean there were there were child actors who were born in 2007 but none who have gone on to any kind of acclaim or to be honest being in anything you may have actually heard of so um yeah so in terms of who left us february the 8th we start with uh anna nicole smith the age of 39 she's an actress who was an actress um notable of two films was naked gun 33 and a third the final insult um, in March, March 8th, uh, John Inman, 71, who's an actor, was in Shakespeare in Love and Are You Being Served? A British icon. Uh, April the 6th, George Jenkins, 98 years old. He was a production designer wow. on the very good All the President's Men and the extremely good Clute. Um May 22nd, Art Stevens, uh, appropriately named Art because he was an animator, died at 92. 
uh, Mary Poppins animations, which are some of my favorites. I love that animated hybrid scene. And 101 Dalmatians, which I loved as a kid. I don't know that it holds up. Mm, no, probably better than the live action as well, though. Uh, July, July yes. the 22nd was Lazlo Kovacs, 74 years old. He passed away. He's a cinematographer, most famous for Ghostbusters and Easy Rider. Yes. July 30th, Ingmar Bergman dies, 89, director, uh, Persona, Fanny, and Alexander. And um, the only one I think I've seen is Seventh Sign, which I really like. I need to watch Persona, though. That's been on my list for a while. Yeah, Ingmar Bergman is a fantastic uh, director. See, uh, September 6th, Luciano Pavarotti. Yes, he's on this list because he was a, oh, a yeah, 71. Wow. Singer slash actor, obviously best known for his uh, singing. But, uh, his notable films was Yes and Giorgio. October 21st, Don Fellows, 84, actor, uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark, and The Omen. Uh, November 30th, Evil Knievel, 69 years oh, old. Wow. He's a daredevil slash actor. Uh, notable films, Viva Knievel and Freebie and The Bean. And uh, December 19th, Frank Capra Jr., 73, was a producer of Escape from the Planet of the Apes and Tom Sawyer. Obviously, his dad, uh, a, a director I'm a big fan yeah. of. So um some a lot of again as we always say a lot of people that list gave uh, had a hand in producing some in delivering some films that we still love and today and some films that hold up and and people like In Ingmar oh. Bergman such a good director and you know he's kind of credited now almost for delivering Max von Sydow onto the world because I think he he um collaborated with mm. 10, 11, 12 films with Max von Sydow uh, and kind of brought him to the attention of Hollywood and then he went on to do all of the films. From then on, including the Exorcist, got to get that in there. Um, but yeah, I mean, like we we'll say, Lazlo Kovacs and the work he did on, on work he did on Ghostbusters, Don Fellows, The Omen, Raiders of the Lost Ark. I mean, there was so there was so much given to the world, which was unfortunately taken away from us in two thousand and seven. And two thousand seven, um, yeah, a, a sad a sad ending. But we have one more thing to talk about, so we don't just end on that sad note. No, so. 2007 came and went, uh, and we had some good films. We had some bad films as well, but some some people we may have heard of also took their first steps into cinema. So let's have a look in this. The debuts. Film debuts. Uh, starting with, I'm not really sure how to say this name. I'm guessing it's Gemma Art Arkington. Yep. Um, okay, uh, she premieres in Saint Trinian's. And uh, most known for Quantum of Solace, Clash of Titans, Prince of Persia, colon, Sands of Time, because that needed a freaking hmm. colon, and The Girl with All the Gifts, which I like that movie, uh, but I like the book much better. Yes, Gemma Artem was the lead in that film. Um, Michael Fassbender, his uh, debut was 300. Which I didn't realise. I didn't realise that either. And of course he's known for uh, playing Magneto in the X-Men saga. He's in Prometheus, Alien Covenant, Frank, which I know is a film you love. 12 Years a Slave, Assassin's Creed, and Steve Jobs. Love Steve Jobs, too, actually. Um, Andrew Garfield, which I... Man, uh, Lions for Lambs. Uh, obviously, he's most famous as Amazing Spider-Man. Um, Hacksaw Ridge, The Social Network, which is my favorite performance from him. And Silence. Silence is underseen, but what a Scorsese movie. My God. Yeah, it's a... I, I, I think I called it a, a tough film to get through, but it is one of those films that is worth watching at least once. But it is a, yep. it's a long film, but it is a fantastic film. Uh, Tom Hiddleston made his debut in Unrelated and has since gone on to obviously be Loki in in various movies of the MCU. He's also appeared mm -hmm. in Warhorse, Crimson Peak, 
and Skull Island. And let's not forget, I saw the light, which is trash. <laughs> I um, tried to forget that. Uh, Zoe Kravitz shows up in No Reservations. Um, no Reservations is that the Zeta Jones mm-hmm. cooking movie? Oh, I I like that movie. Um, not a lot, but I like it. She's uh, shows up in the Divergent Saga, Mad Max Fury Road as one of the uh, emotion emotion Joe's women. Um, Fantastic Beasts and Dope and After Earth. Really, really hate After Earth. Yeah, I put it in there just for you, John. Um, Christopher Mintz Plass. He of course yes. debuted in Super Bad and has since gone on to, uh, you know, make a name for himself in similar kind of films. Role Models, which is an underrated comedy. So underrated. Thank I you. love that movie. And I'm a big fan of Sean William Scott. Anyway, uh, Kick-Ass 1 and 2, How to Train Your Dragon Saga, Neighbours 1 and 2, and he was in the re- in the remake of Fright Night as well, when unsuccessfully. Yeah, he's uh, Yelchin's best friend, right? That movie's really good. I think people slept on it. Tony Collette's the mom, guys. I don't know if you know this, but she's always freaking great. And Anton Yelchin is always freaking great. And Colin Farrell is always freaking... You know what? Go watch Fright Night, the remake. It's great. It is. I it didn't is. really like it all that much. I thought it was pretty... Uh, and I, ah. I thought, no, I thought, it was, I thought it was pretty good. I There's something about sort of the campiness of the um, original Fright Night, which um, I, I, I just couldn't get over that... That original Fright oh, Night kind of had the comedy aspect of it more, whereas this one yeah. went for more horror. And Christopher, but it 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 plays the humor too, though. I mean, come on, when he's eating the apple, that's freaking oh, funny. Oh yeah, it like, does. Colin, but, I mean, Christopher yeah. Mintz is Evil Ed, but I can't remember the guy's name. Steve, I think Steve or something. I can't remember his name. The original Evil Ed from Fright Night. I, you can't yeah. top that. Yeah, don't get me wrong. I love the original too. I'm a big fan of both of those movies, but I do like the the, the remake. Um, but let's. Uh, I'm so glad, Matt. I don't know if you tried to throw me off with this, but I do know how to say this name. Saoirse Ronan. <laughs> um, I Could Never Be Your Woman, which is interesting because she also was in Atonement the same year. So I guess that one must have came out just a little earlier. Uh, Lady Bird, Atonement, The Lovely Bones, Hannah, uh, Hannah, which I still haven't watched. Brooklyn. Um, I love Brooklyn. Grand Budapest Hotel. Love that movie. Mary Queen of Scots. Hated. Hated I that movie. I thought you preferred that over the favorite, so didn't you? Uh, um, no. Oh, no. May it <laughs> oh, be me. Uh, yeah, that might have been you. Um, and she's also in um, ooh, I, a movie I watched with Corey. I can't think what it's called. She's like an assassin with lollipops. Oh, my God. I can't think what it's called. Uh, it's I, so not great, but oh, well. I don't know, but it sounds like I, I want to go and see this I, now. <laughs> I will pull it up. You you go ahead and read the next person, and I will I find will, out what that's. I've also got to say that Saoirse Ronan has got a fantastic um, back catalogue of films already. She's only 25 years old. Which is insane. It is, and uh, not not just having a fantastic um, name and accent. I mean, just some of those films. And she's already got she's already got a massive collection of Academy Award nominations, and I can see her being the next Amy Adams, which she almost is. In the fact that the uh, annually the internet will be screaming and uh, are crying that she must win an Academy Award because of what she has done, rather than what she has been doing that uh, year. Yeah, and Lady Bird was fantastic. Violet and Daisy is the movie that I could not think of. I can't. I wouldn't have been able to get that. So um, next up is Andy Samberg. Uh, he was in. He started in hot. I say he started. Debuted in Hot Rod, and he's known for "I Love You, Man," "Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs," "Friends with Benefits," "The Host of Transylvania Saga," and the very decent uh, "Brixby Bear." I like it a little more than Matt. I think it's it's very great, and Mark Hamill's oh, amazing. I think I gave it about nine out of ten. I think I gave Brixby Bear. 
Oh, okay, okay. You just said very decent. <laughs> I, I know. It's very, very decent then. I thought it was a very good film. Okay. Um, and then, I can't believe this is her debut. I didn't realize this. Emma Stone uh, debuts in Superbad. Um, she has obviously gone on to be much bigger star. Uh, La La Land, Zombieland, two land movies. Mm. Uh, the Favorite, yeah. which I love. Easy A, which I think is an underrated film, and Stanley Tucci's amazing. Um, Crazy Stupid Love, I, meh. Amazing Spider-Man with her boyfriend, Andrew Garfield. Birdman, uh, or The Virtue of Ignorance. Unexpected Virtue of Ignorance. Dang, almost mm. got it. And I still haven't watched Battle of the Sexes, but I own it. I just haven't watched it it's yet. It's pretty good. Well, um, I'll, I'll, get, I'll get on to Emma Stone shortly. But the last one on the list was uh, Catherine Waterston. She made a debut in Michael Clayton. And she's now known for Inherent Vice, Steve Jobs, Logan Lucky, Alien Covenant. She appeared in mid-90s and obviously in a Fantastic Beasts Saga, I yeah. think she's a good actress, Catherine and Waterston. I do too. I'm a big fan of Waterston. Um, and I, even though she's not in mid-90s a lot, I like what she's doing in the movie. Um, yeah, big fan. There's some really big actors that I'm a fan. Like, I'm a big Saoirse Ronan fan, big Emma Stone fan, big Catherine Waterston fan. Uh, like Fassbender a lot, Hailston a lot. Um, and uh, I like Garfield, although, you know, I... The poor Spider. I I feel like he was a good Peter Parker and Spider Man. It was just a really not great movie for franchise. He was so you know? excited as well to be cast as Spider Man. And he he embraced the role in awesome ways. Like there's so many cool stories that he like dressed up and went to like, you know, like more and more of the superheroes were hearing they do that. But at the time it was kind of unheard of. And so I really I I was all for him being Spider Man. It just didn't. It didn't stick. Unfortunately, I think he's a great actor. Even if even in bad films, I didn't enjoy like Under the Silver Lake recently. I think Andrew Garfield is also always. He's always very good in what he does. Michael Fassbender. He's the kind of. Uh, he's the odd one out on this list almost because Michael Fassbender is undoubtedly one of the finest actors working. I think, but he has got yeah. his agent is an ass. Because he could be, he's got how many? Two, three, four Academy Award noms. The guy has pedigree. But some of the choices he made, The Snowman, uh, one of the worst films I've seen this decade. Assassin's Creed, okay, maybe not the worst film in the world, but certainly not the best. Um, well, he was, uh, he, man, he was all over that movie, though. Like, oh, he had, God, yeah. he's a big reason that movie happened. And uh, it, a podcast I've referenced way too much lately because I'm kind of obsessed with it. Blank Check, they just did an Assassin's Creed episode. Um, they make some strong arguments to why that movie's not as bad as we remember. And I got to say, it made me want to rewatch the damn movie. So, <laughs> not much um, to make me want to rewatch that film if I'm being I agree. Uh, totally honest. I agree. He's such such a good actor Michael Fassbender and I just want I just want him to just get a role where he can absolutely sink his teeth in, absolutely nail it. It's not going to be Dark Phoenix coming out or Kung Fury 2. It might be Kung Fury 2. Yeah. He's in Song to Songs World which Terrence Malick bored the hell out of me with that film i couldn't make it through like 15 minutes of that dude i was like nope this is not where i'm going to start my terrence malick journey oh, man. i can't do well, it dude i didn't know yeah. it was by terrence malick because i saw well I, I just saw song to song and the cast list and i said to my um, yeah. illustrious partner i said god damn i need to see this because of the cast in it and, oh, okay we'll watch this and i was about five minutes like nobody's saying anything what the hell's going on is this these sort of weird visuals and rt kind of um stuff and i thought this was this is awful. And then I struggled to make it through. I did finish it. I, I just to say I did, but oh god, it was awful. But yeah, I mean, Michael Fassbender could be, could be that kind of zenith of 
actor, and I mean that. I think he's such a talented yeah, actor. I agree. Oh, he just needs to concentrate on roles which aren't the snowman. And just, well, I mean, that's what, like, when you look at Frank, he's in a freaking paper mache head, <laughs> and he still gives you something. Like, how how are you giving me emotion through a paper mache head? Exactly. It's insane. Like, the dude's so he's talented. so good in and, 12 Years a Slave, and obviously Steve Jobs, of course. Steve Jobs, dude, I just taught that uh, a few weeks ago with one, my Film 2 class, and they were, like, blown away by that movie. And that movie should bore high school kids. It is all dialogue. It is, like, 90% people talking, but it's Aaron Sorkin dialogue, so it's all action <laughs> it's adventure awesome, yeah. feel. And Danny um, but, Boyle, man, and Boyle, the visuals in that movie, but, God, Fassbender and... and Seth Rogen as Wozniak is by far, I think Rogen's like best performance. He crushes the monologues he gets to give in that movie. Um, and even Kate Winslet, man, as the, the odd Russian assistant, like she's great. Um, I I love Steve jobs, but, uh, Fassbender is tremendous. Um, in that movie, like I don't know if he's even close to how jobs would have been, but God, is he great. great And I don't mind. I like him as Magneto as well in, in, the oh X-Men yeah, film. yeah. I mean, the last few, I wasn't a fan of Apocalypse, Dark Phoenix. Nope. Yeah, I, I will say that the last trailer actually looked quite decent, though I'm not holding out much hope for the film. But I think like Days of Future Past and um, First Class, whew, that that's some decent yeah. film, and um, he was very good at, um, in those. But you get Emma Stone as well. I mean, what a, what a filmography. La La Land, Zombieland, Easy A, I agree, is a very good film. The favourite just for the critical response it got. Uh, Birdman, so Battle of the Sexes, I enjoyed. La La Land's one of my top 20 of all time. I think she's I so good. a big supporter of Rain Wilson's film, The Rocker. And by his film, I mean he's the lead. He's not the director. Oh, yeah. it, it That movie has so much comedic power in it. Like, I mean, we're talking Young Aziz Ansari, Jane Lynch. Uh, oh, man, I'm going to drop all the names that I usually can pull. But Emma Stone, uh, Teddy Geiger, who's a musician. This is his, like, vehicle to, like, make his songs more popular. And Josh Gad, like, before he was Olaf. Uh, Olaf. Um, that movie, I it's got a horrible Metascore. I love it. I do have – I am a sucker for mu- music-based comedies. Uh, but, man, if you're a fan of those those actors, like, it, there are some really great scenes. And Rain Wilson is insane in that movie. Like, um uh, freaking Will Arnett's got a small part. Um, Jason Sudeikis is their manager. Like Christina Applegate's uh, Teddy Geiger's mom. Like the movie is stacked, and I find it to be a very, very entertaining. Um, and it was kind of my introduction to Emma Stone outside of uh, Superbad. This is the first time like mm-hmm. I get to see her like in a bigger part, and she's kind of playing the, the archetypal Emma Stone role that she gets a lot. The little kind of snarky. Um, not quite Daria, but almost Daria-inspired, angstful teenager. Uh, but yeah, sorry, I, I, I'm an advocate for that film, and I have to, I have to say it somewhere. Dude, you've got to push what you love, man. Um, Tom Hiddleston as well, who could have been, he was a lot of people's choices for the new Bond, whoever that may be. Um, people have been touting for Batman, which I'm, I'm not sure about that. But um, Tom Hiddleston, uh, yeah, he's obviously synonymous now with Loki. Crimson Peak was a surprisingly good film as well. Kong Skull Island again, I quite enjoyed that more than I should have done. And I thought Tom yep. Hiddleston was pretty good in that as well. So I'm interested to see where he I'm, goes. I know I won't know. Obviously, no yeah. spoilers for Endgame or any of the MCU, but I'm interested to see where he goes post Loki because obviously he's got the Marvel uh, series on Disney Plus, the Loki series. I, I'm just interested to see him in things which where he isn't playing Loki. Yeah, I don't know how that series is going to work. That that seems like it's going to be fraught. Like, what what? 
hijinks are we going to get into with Loki? I don't know. I'm, I'm apprehensive about that too. Yeah, yeah. That's an interesting question. And where? Is he going to just be in Asgard or is he going to be like on Earth messing around? Like what's – I don't know. Uh, I think they might be biting off more than they can chew with that particular topic. But That's true. I, I agree. I mean I've obviously met – he's obviously in other films other than – the uh, yeah. in, but he's obviously Endgame, Infinity War, uh, things like Thor, Ragnarok, uh, the Avengers, the Dark War, Thor, the Dark World, Thor itself. Yeah, most of his most of his filmography is made up of the MCU, which is certainly going to help um, his bank balance. But I want to see him yeah. branch out more. I'm afraid that that series is only being made as fan service because he is a beloved character for a lot of fans, even though he was a villain for many of yeah. the movies. Um, I am worried that the series is just going to be like pushing that agenda like to make fans happy yeah. and that might be bad it's a but... limited series so how many episodes yeah. they do i've no idea but i'd like to see him just do something else not that i dislike the character of loki but i think he could be quite a good actor um outside sure. of the mcu but yeah like says sharona mentioned her uh, uh jemma artisan is a is a she's a good english actress so uh, is another fine lineup of debutantes in from from the year but we all know why you guys are here for. It's certainly yes, not to hear me because... talking. Oh, I'm sure that's part of it. <laughs> um, so then we've we've spoken film. The memories have come back to us for better or for worse. But now it's time for Mr. John Burke to poetically describe everything you've just heard. Yes, this is the horoscope for the year 2007. And I am dubbing 2007 as the year of the third this means if you were the third child born in your family, be warned as your life may be fraught with chaos. Too many villains, lame dancing, tertiary characters, and rehashed plot lines will likely haunt you through your days. Though, if you aren't one of the cursed child uh, three, you may see great success, quite possibly, at the folly of those born third. There is hope for those cursed ones as they may rise from the ashes if they're not the last born or if they can find the energy to roll out and pursue their dreams. I've got to tell you, I'm the third born in my family, so I'm going to be watching over my oh, shoulder man. from going forward now. <laughs> I don't know if you noticed, there was a uh, a weird trend in the top ten of uh, thirds. We had Trek the third, the Pirates of the Caribbean third, and there was one more um, Spider-Man that was three. a third. Spider-Man 3, yeah. obviously, does. I mean, I guess you could have a uh, 300's got the letter 3 in it. Pipes uh, of the Caribbean then, at World's End. Well, check this out, Matt. If you add up the numbers in 2007, it equals 9 is divisible by 3. So, conspiracy. In a year that the number 23 came out, I think not. Oh, and we've so, also mentioned Anna Nicole Smith in Naked Gun 33 in the 33. third. Third, oh my! I'm telling you, man, it's the year of the third. Man, this is this is some this is why this is why he, the JB is a teacher because he's schooling us right now. You got to watch for the signs, man. Man, well, I enjoy, there's another great uh, burkoscope, and I'm thinking that at the end of this year, 2019, may just release all of the burkoscopes in one kind of um, best of competition. Like... That's it. Yeah, we just <laughs> we just have them all. We'll just have John saying the year. And then straight into the poem, and then the year, and we'll just do it. It'd be sort of a twelve-minute-long, uh, twelve probably, probably, probably the best twelve minutes of of the year. A podcast milestone, yes, exactly. I, it's, I'm all for it. It's the zenith of podcast. So thank you again for that, John. I say it every month, but I wouldn't be able to sit down and write one of those because I'm not quite as eloquent as JB is. But <laughs> unfortunately, 
That's that for this episode of Movie Astrology. It's been another great one. But before we end, let's do what we always do. 2007. What are we thinking? Top side, we've we've heard the good, the bad, the ugly. What do we think? Where does it it kind of land in what we've done? I I think it's a really good year, um, especially when you look at some of those big milestone films and the notable releases. I mean, there's some major stuff that comes out, and we get some major debuts from some big-name talent now. Um, I think it's a it's a really important year in film. I don't think it's as important as like ninety nine. I think ninety nine was the last like super major like revolutionary year. But I think this is a big milestone year, two thousand seven. You see a lot of actors kind of coming up and uh, uh, some big directors kind of hitting their their stride. Like the Coens finally getting Oscars. You know, it's a it's a big year. Yep, and just quickly as well, we've mentioned that every film we've done, every year we've done so far has had that film like the golden film the defining film of that year and one that and kind of like almost like a classic and i know mr bean's holiday came out in 2007 but did did this year have that that film you know the film which people are going to remember for years going forward um i'm struggling here it had a lot of bloody good films it, it had i think it had it depends on your perspective like if you're talking general audience um Maybe not. I mean, obviously, it has a Harry Potter film, so that's always going to stick because of the franchise. Same even with the Pirates movies, probably, although maybe longevity on that might fade away if they keep making more sequels. But um, I think if we're talking like cinephile, I think so. I think the I think There Will Be Blood and No Country for Old Men mm-hmm. are going to be films that are looked at um, in the same light that we look in like the Hitchcock films of the old days or we look at um, – you know, the uh, 70s, like, you know, Francis Ford Coppola, Scorsese, Spielberg entries. I think that's what you have for the Coens. And even though the Coens have been around since the 80s, um, this No Country is kind of their magnum opus yeah. uh, of, of film. And same thing, There Will Be Blood. I, PTA has been masterful with almost every one of his films, but I think There Will Be Blood is the one that gets the most love universally from both fans and film critics. So I think there's movies there that will last the test of time. Maybe not be frequent watches. They're not going to necessarily be that go-to thing. Um, but Superbad. I mean, Superbad is a huge comedy from 2007 that yeah, people yeah. do still quote. I mean, McLovin is an iconic like staple yeah, of the is. comedic uh, zeitgeist. Yeah, I I think, I think you've kind of summed it up perfectly there. There's not, there's not one of those films that... I there's not one of those films that reaches out and just grabs everybody. It's sort of hit the zeitgeist and everybody's aware of it, like we've had in every other year. But what we instead what we get is a handful of actual incredibly great movies which didn't which didn't need a billion dollars behind it to make people realize. Like I say, there will uh, no country for old men. Yes, it stormed the Academy Awards for the reason that it probably is by far not by far, but probably is the best film of the year. Daniel Day-Lewis was the best actor of the year. So there we have some brilliant movies. And do they need to be universally kind of loved and popular? No. Doesn't make it a great great um, movie. But I was just interested because obviously before we've had, every year we've had that one film which is kind of out there no, yeah. now in the, in the higher echelons of this all-time I mean, cinema. You could argue that the B-movie has become that. <laughs> because of the the memes but yeah i wouldn't want to argue that but you definitely there's it's around people are still talking about it like more than they talked about it when it came out so it's crazy but if anybody does want to argue that 
Where can they find you online to argue that? Oh, you can find me at Burke Reviews on all the social media. And, of course, BurkeReviews.com is where I post my reviews and podcasts. And you can find me, to not argue B-movie, um, at whatiwatchtonight.co.uk, what I watch tonight across all the socials. And you can hear um, myself and John on the Movie Astrology uh, regularly. And also with the bloody awesome movie podcast where we discuss the uh, every month, the big releases in every month of cinema. So, um, unfortunately, I would say for that, that is it. But if you like the show, give us a shout. Tell your friends. Give us a rating review on iTunes because it helps us out uh, more than you know. But thank you so much for listening. From me... It's Sia, and from John, keep watching movies. <laughs>